Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Picasad Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Riv and John Carlos and this is now episode 89. In this episode, we will talk about the Hawks, 76ers, and Bucks Nets series. If the Utah Jazz can make the finals, Luka's heroics, what's the next step for the Knicks and Grizzlies, Brad Stevens getting promoted, and the top five players under 25 in the playoffs. Then we will finish off the show by having Michael Daly on it to talk about the Bucks and Nets series and to talk about the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight. This is now episode 89. We're getting closer to 100. And as you can see, we have a different picture up on the TV now. Because when we first started the podcast, it was the three of us. Now we have our original logo up there because uh, Bars of Visual is a guy who makes the thumbnails. He he uh, lives in Europe. So there's an eight hour difference. So if I don't hit him up within that time period, I just won't get a response back. So I have to hit him up like at 11 p.m. for him to get it in the morning. <laughs> So, yeah, I woke up. I forgot about it. I woke up at 11. Right now, it's like 7 p.m. where he's at. So I can't, you know, do it. So, yeah, there was a lot of playoff games that happened, a lot of shockers. And we're going to talk about all that today. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can see right now that I'm wearing a special type of hoodie. I'm wearing a pick-a-side hoodie. Let me know if you guys like it. And Riv is wearing a pick-a-side shirt. Show the audience a shirt real quick, Riv. You know, black logo, gray shirt. I think it looks awesome. JC forgot his hoodie. He said his hoodie shrunk, but that's the old material that we use. These are some new and enhanced hoodies. So to get off to to start with the first topic of the day, the Hawks versus the 76ers, they are going to fight it out in the second round of the NBA playoffs. And Joel Embiid has a meniscus tear in his right knee. He is questionable. And Ernie Johnson brought up a good point yesterday on inside the nba he said that last time he had a meniscus tear on his left knee it they didn't think it was that serious but then he had to get surgery eventually on it who knows if that's the case now but let's just talk about both scenarios if Joel Embiid is not available to play can philly still beat atlanta and if Embiid does play do the hawks have a chance to beat philly i think obviously if you know you get your guy who could have been the mvp if he plays I have Philly. I think that should be the money man. You take Philly. I think with Embiid just being a dominant force, you know, Clint's going to have his hands full. Ben Simmons is going to be there. Trey Young is going to struggle. You know, we saw in the first round, Ben Simmons, when he was manned up on either Westbrook or Bradley Bill, he made it extremely tough for both guys. Had him shooting or poor efficiency when he was guarding them. So I think Trey Young is going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough challenge for him. And with the, but the thing with, you know, the thing with Atlanta, you saw with the Knicks, you know, one of the best defenses in the league, Atlanta still got hot. So I think with Philly, you know, they have the personal, they have the personnel, but I think offensively, if Philly, if Atlanta could just get it going, you know, hit their shots, I think they'll be good. John Collins, he was good. Bogdan Bogdanovich, he was spectacular. So I think if if NB plays, I'll probably have him in like five, six games, <laughs> leaning on six. But if NB does not play, now you're looking at it and Ben Simmons has to step up. And we've seen Ben Simmons. He's not a guy who can score really in the playoffs. He's a guy who's a liability on offense. So if MB doesn't play, I think I'll put my money on Atlanta. Okay, I can't really disagree with you right there. Uh even though I'm higher on Ben I'm higher on Ben Simmons. And part of the reason why the Knicks and Hawks series was a five game series was because 
Tom Thibodeau did not adjust from game one to game five. He made yeah. absolutely no adjustments. We didn't double team Trey the entire series, which I thought was bonkers. But I think Philly can double team him. You put Thibel on him. You put Danny Green on him to start blitzing with that height and length. I don't even think you need to double team if you have Thibel on him. That is true. But Thibel being 6'7", Danny Green being around 6'5", 6'6", going to double and blitz Trey, I think he's going to have a lot of trouble with that because of that length. And if you throw in Ben Simmons in there, that might be even tougher. I think depending on Doc Rivers' adjustments and how they guard Trey Young, we might see Trey Young have an awful series. I mean, <laughs> shooting inefficiently, having a bunch of turnovers. We really might see that if they, you know, cultivate the right game plan to attack Trey Young. But Ben Simmons, without Embiid this season, has been pretty good. Ben Simmons, without Embiid in the playoffs, has been three and one, averages twenty three points per game, eight rebounds, and ten point five assists. So I think without Embiid, yes, you lose an MVP, but Ben Simmons is capable of of showing you what he showed you at LSU when he was the number one pick. He can be that guy. You have that added spacing with Seth Curry, Danny Green, Thibault occasionally, you know, he's still offensively limited, but then you also have Tobias Harris. And that's the key for Atlanta too, because now without Embiid, you only have one true shot creator on the Sixers with Tobias Harris. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, going back to the matchups, I think with, you know, with uh, New York, you guys have a really elite team defense, but I don't think you have the one-on-one guys like Philly has in Thibault, Ben Simmons, Danny Green. I think that's what's going to make Trey Young it's really work is because you have guys, you don't really, Philly doesn't really need to double team because they have guys that they can just leave on the island. But looking at Atlanta side, you know, Julius Randle, I think we can all agree, is a better offensive player than Ben Simmons in terms of scoring the ball. And DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, John yeah. Collins at times made it extremely tough for him. So I think that's going to be something to definitely look forward. You know, I think they're probably going to match up DeAndre Hunter on Ben Simmons, and DeAndre Hunter is no slouch defensively. Yeah. So it's going to be definitely a chess match. And we've seen Doc Rivers, you know, going back to last year in this situation, going up 3-1, blowing the lead to Denver. So that that curse is still on Doc Rivers. We can see if he can get it done. But Atlanta, this is definitely the situation where they need to take advantage because Embiid is out. They have the personnel. This is... Trey Young has to step up and continue his pace of what he's going to. So, JC, do you think the Hawks have a chance to beat Philly without Embiid? Um, without Joel Embiid, no. I think it'll go maybe six, seven games just because I feel like Atlanta's got a lot of three point shooting. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of good big men like John Collins can stretch the floor. You have somebody like Clint Capella. You know, he's always a lob threat. And then if you have people like DeAndre Hunter. Bogdanovich and even Trey Young hitting their shots. I mean, we saw what they did against the Knicks. Just like you said, they weren't double team, double teaming Trey. You spread them out and you just drive and kick, and all these shooters are hitting their shots. I think with Philly is going to be a little different because I think the key to stopping Atlanta is pressuring Trey Young, forcing him to make tough passes, forcing him to make tough shots because he's the orchestrator of that offense. And I like the I like the big man tandem that they have. Like you could either put uh, Ben Simmons on him, you could put Thibel on him, you could even put Danny Green on him. And I just think, like, I agree with you guys. It's going to be a very tough series just because he's small. And, it, and like, you can beat some of the Knicks defenders off the dribble one-on-one, like Rev was alluding to. Like Reggie Bullock. Like, you, can, yeah. you, can't, you can't beat Ben Simmons off the dribble. Like, we've seen Ben Simmons is probably the most versatile defender in the game, or at least one of them. I've seen nights where he checks people, like, like you put him on LeBron, and the next night I've seen him shut down Damian Lillard in the fourth quarter. So, we'll see. I mean, without Embiid, I think this series goes seven. 
But with Embiid, I think it's over in five. I give Atlanta like one game where they're probably at home. They're hitting all their shots, and you know it's just one. You just you know you just toss it up as just you know hey like we you know it's a gentleman sweep now. But I think without Embiid, it's going to be an interesting series. Um, I do say six or seven, but I just think Philly has just too much defensive prowess, and and you know they have too many shooters. So we'll see. I think without Embiid, it's going to be it's going to be tough though because Tobias Harris as your shot creator, as your main shot creator, is like. You know, he's good, but you don't want to lean on him as your number one option. That's why Embiid's there. That's why he's playing like the MVP. So regardless if Embiid plays or he doesn't, I, I still have Philly winning just because defensively they're elite and they're just a good team overall. Yeah, and Tobias is very inconsistent. I'll be honest. I don't know about you guys. I did not watch a game of the Philly versus Wizards series. I did. I watched one. I didn't watch. I didn't watch a game. I maybe gave one a quarter. It was that in the Nets and the Celtics. I didn't watch. Uh, I watched the Nets and the Celtics. Of course, you I watched did. James Harden. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I didn't really. I felt like those two were like kind of the. Uh, they're gonna win. We know who's gonna. But win. Philly versus Washington was a little bit more like that. Yeah. yeah, I watched maybe two quarters of it the entire time. I, I don't even think it I was watched exhausting to watch. Yeah, because you knew Washington had no chance, and uh, <laughs> I know when. We talked about Trey Young and the Hawks versus the Knicks. I know a lot of Atlanta Hawks fans caught feelings because uh, on YouTube, I think we do have some Hawks fans that watch our videos and they like our videos and they got on us, man. Not me. I mean, not you, but they got oh, on me. Yeah, yeah. But in the comments, they usually say you guys. They don't mention us individually. So they talked about you guys were doubting Trey Young and stuff. Oh, I picked like, the Hawks to win. They'll say like guy on the left or like guy yeah, in the middle. Guy, yeah. <laughs> I and think also, the Hawks to win, though. I think yeah. in our podcast downloads, our main one of our main demographics are Atlanta, Georgia. So, of course, we have you know some people that like our podcast there. So they caught some feelings when we you know said Atlanta. Well, when I said Atlanta wouldn't beat the Knicks because honestly, I thought the Knicks should have gave them a better fight. And I think that Should've. because the Hawks had such a great series against the Knicks, people are are this happens in the NBA. You know, you go in, you're kind of low or you're not as high on the team. Then when they dominate a team that is much lesser, now everybody starts to overreact and say, oh, they can do this and they can be that and they can be that. I think Atlanta's still a year or two away. I think they have to count on DeAndre Hunter's development, Cam Reddish being healthy, because I think as long as you trade as a star, we know that. But DeAndre Hunter, I think this past season, the sophomore season, he really broke out. I think in his third year, he, he'll be better. And Cam Reddish, we're hoping he'll be good. John Collins, who knows where he's going to go? I think, I don't even think they're a year or two. I think they're just another star away. I think they're a little, like right now, I think they're a little too, a little too lot. And it's like with this team, I think they're like. Trey Reliant. Yeah, like kind of like Dallas was, Houston was with Harden. They're just too Trey Reliant. Like everything yeah. relies on him. And I don't think you can win that way. I, I remember watching Hard. Kobe talk about it. Like that's a way. And that was, that's why he had to learn the triangle and figure it out because that's a way you just can't win in the NBA if you're too one player reliant. So I think, you know, like you said, DeAndre Hunter, we even though he got hurt, he was playing phenomenal before he got hurt, came to the playoffs, kind of got his groove. But we saw the defense was there every single game. We're still waiting for Cam Reddish to pop. You know, he's still 20, 21 years old. So we're still waiting for that. John Collins, if he decides to stay, he'll be great for them. If he leaves, Clint Capella was a great piece for them, you know, adding that guy down low that can really guard the paint. And really be that guy for Trey Young. Capella's good, man. He's yeah, good. so it's he like good. I think they have. I, I don't even think they need to. You know, they just need to bulk up the bench. You know, a little bit more. Gallinari, you know, worst cut in the NBA playoffs. He played okay for the most part, but <laughs> his cut was good. yeah, his cut was really bad. But I think I was just. I, I'll tell you this. I felt disrespected as a Knicks fan. <laughs> 
that Clint Capella in his interview before the game, pre-game, before game five, I said that, that we're going to send them on va- home on vacation. He kept it 100. In their garden. <laughs> and they RJ, did. <laughs> Mark Berman yeah. asked RJ a question, and RJ says that we're going to win. I love it. He guaranteed a win. He said, and he told Mark Berman, he said, stop asking me those dumbass questions. Yeah. He, he was mad. He was like, why you got to be so negative, man? No, I you love know? it. He, this, I, know, I love it, too, but I'll say this. You got packed. I don't <laughs> care if we would have lost game six in Atlanta. But losing in Game Five after they've been talking smack, <laughs> you talking crazy. as soon as the Knicks fans were started cheer- it as, as soon as the Knicks fans were cheering on the Knicks season, Trey Young pulls up from thirty, yeah. makes it, and the crowd just goes quiet. It was like the dagger. Trey Young is so disrespectful. I know he's one of the biggest shit talkers in the league. Draymond mentioned that he was one of those. He's, guys. he's also one of two players to have multiple thirty point games in the Garden. The other player being, of course, the GOAT, Michael Jordan. But Michael you know, Jordan? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you, for some reason, I thought he was going to say Zach Levine. Uh, nah, hell no. Are you talking about playoffs? Yeah, right? playoffs. Okay, yeah, exactly. Definitely not, not conversation. Zach. He's not in conversation. I mean, you guys so, won a game. So your prediction for Philly versus Atlanta is that the Hawks... Uh, Philly. I mean, that's it. Philly wins in five with Embiid and six or seven with Simmons. You have the same prediction? Pretty much, yeah. I think, it's gonna, yeah. I think it goes seven if Embiid doesn't play. Okay. He has a shot. To me, I think that... I think even without Embiid, Simmons can do this. Mm. And I think it might be, I'll say six because I'll give some respect to Atlanta. Um, but I just feel like if you shut down Trey, yeah. Atlanta's done for. And I think Philly has the ability to shut down Trey. And that's really why I think Philly can you know win this matchup easily. Um, not only do they have a really good starting lineup with some spacing with Ben, Seth, Green, Tobias, and Thibault, <laughs> but they're benched with Cork Moss, George Hill, Dwight Howard can give you some some minutes at center. He can be productive in his minutes. Good. I don't know where Shake Milton is at. He had a really hot start to the season, and then he just evaporated. But um, he's no Tyrese Maxey has been pretty he good for them good. as well. So they have just a lot. They can match up with the Hawks in terms of scoring because they have a lot of those. <laughs> you guys, you guys think any shot Trey Young has a really good series, or you just think you don't see it happening? I think there's a shot because he's such Me a too. he's such an extraordinary player. I'm not going to rule it out. I think his his efficiency is obviously going to take a dip. But yeah. I think he's always going to, because of his playmaking, he's always going to keep himself involved in the game, you know, still get open looks, still get to the cup. He has the floater. He can go to I'm the basket. I'm not going to lie. He can kill Danny Green. Yeah, but I can't. Can I'm Danny not going to sit here and say he can kill Matisse. No, I know. That, that's, that. that's, that's why I said Danny or Green. Or Ben Simmons. <laughs> that's why I said Danny Green. Matisse, ah, I don't know. Matisse locks up. Yeah, I, I can't. Danny Green, yeah. but He's going to kill Danny Green. Those other they're two. Not gonna put, they're not going to do that. The thing about Danny Green is that he's not a terrific defender. He's a he good just, team he defender. He just shows terrific effort, yeah. and that's what you need. That's how you can become. He's a, a, he's a good defender. pest. That's what he is. Yeah. He's a very and annoying guy. San Antonio is way better though defensively. Yeah, yeah, San Antonio. Way, I mean, a lot of guys are better elite. than San Antonio. You ever thought yeah. about that? He like, was elite on defense. Danny Green is older now. How, he's probably like 33, 34. Yeah, something like that. He's around there. Now we're going to go on to the next series uh, in the second round that you know has been announced already in the Eastern Conference. It's kind of amazing that in East Conference, we already know the matchups, but in the West, it still is to be determined today. Blazers versus Nuggets and Lakers versus Suns. Those are two games that the Suns could close yeah. it out and the and the Nuggets can close it out against Portland too. But we're going to talk about the Bucks versus Nets second round series preview. We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday when we recorded the episode with Ronnie. And we talked about how the Nets lack of size is going to be a major problem Versus Milwaukee, as it it was going to be if they faced Embiid and Philly, Davis and LA, or whatever big men they would have played. We knew that there was a that was their problem all year long. And I know JC's a Nets fan. He's worried that the Bucks have a chance to beat the Nets. Yeah. 
And I will say this. I think the the Bucks have a lineup that can match up with the Nets very well. And all because they acquired <laughs> PJ Tucker via trade. I know that I know that, that may sound crazy, but I think that before PJ Tucker got there, you didn't have many versatile defenders outside of Holiday, Giannis, and Middleton. And those are good defenders, right? But <clears throat> good. Put some respect on the name. Okay, I know. I know. Yeah. Those are great defenders. Two great ones, but good to one good one. Elite ones. But when I you're am. facing Brooklyn, if you're putting <clears throat> those three main guys on Brooklyn's main guys, they might not give you the same offensive output because they have to keep up with those guys. In my opinion, I don't think Drew, if he if he has to check Kyrie or Harden all day, I don't think he's going to be you, able to. Have, you, have give you up not that. seen Drew now, in the I've playoffs? I've seen Drew, do it but I think that? it's much easier if you put Tucker on one of those main guys than putting Middleton on them because Middleton, we know, can be hot and cold. <coughs> so a small ball lineup of Holiday, Connaughton, Middleton, Tucker, and Giannis, and Brooklyn got a it's break a by not getting DiFincenzo, just like Milwaukee got a break by not seeing Danny, um, Jeff Green because Jeff Green would have been a reliable yeah, defender for them. Yes, and a floor He's not spacer. a bad defender. Yeah, he's not a bad defender at 42% all. 42% from the three, too. He could, he, he's a solid shooter. So this is the thing. I think... Tucker is going to be on Harden. That's my prediction. He's going to be what? on. He's going to be on Harden or, or KD. Wait, you it's acquired PJ Tucker to guard Kevin Durant because he's the best Kevin Durant. But I think Giannis can guard KD. Not guard him, but I think he can. I get what you're he, saying. Yeah, I get he'll what you're be saying. better PJ than Tucker. Tucker PJ him. Tucker does a better job on him. This is right this now. is I think the factors to the series right here. Yo, he said Giannis. <laughs> this is the factors to the series. Who is Drew Holiday going to be on? Because I think Drew Holiday can take one of those guys out, not being KD. I, I think he can take Kyrie fully out. I really do. I agree. Harden, yeah, wow. Harden Harden's going to be tricky. Harden's going to be tricky. Harden can give him. Harden's going to have you think his he way. Can take Kyrie out? Yes, I think, is it, yes. Is it, is it, I think he can take about the, Kyrie out. All right, out. so you talking about, remember when we played them back-to-back? He took to back? game out. Remember when we played That's them back? That's what I keep trying to but say. Remember, like he's not, but remember when we played them back-to-back, right? You remember like a couple of like, them out one game and then the next game he got fried. Yeah, but Kyrie was on Ramadan that time, so... He he's probably much better now because he's eating. I mean, he was on Ramadan when he gave Ben Simmons fifty, so I can't really give you. I ain't that. get Ben fifty. I know, oh, but it, it does Smart. make a difference. Uh, uh, talking about that game against Philly when he had like thirty nine. Yeah, that was on. So what you're so what you're saying? So what you're saying is that Holiday. What you're saying is that Holiday can take out Kyrie for a few games. Yeah, he's if not they taking, play if they play seven, Holiday's taking Kyrie out for at least three. Nah, I say two. Can I jump in? You, Bro, you don't understand. That's the most skilled offensive. Do you one not, of the most skilled you, offensive on, players on, hold on, ever, though. I get Drew Holiday. I get it. Drew Holiday's one of my favorite players. Nobody's gonna tell me anything about Drew. Drew's one of the best defenders out that in the league on the perimeter. I I get that. Before I jump in here, so but who do you have? Sheesh. I have the Nets in seven. You know, seven? I, you know, I've been picking the Nets since the beginning. But of I want to know how many games you. I say Nets in six. I say seven. I say seven. Um, I get respect to Milwaukee. Hell yeah. I agree with the lineup. I think that lineup. You know, especially without DiVincenzo, who's going to be a big loss. I think putting Pat Connaughton in, who could stretch the floor, it's going to be good. I think Brooke Lopez, you know, he's a really good rim protector. He's going to be good. He's going to have his minutes where he's definitely performing. You can see when they played each other, he was really important for them. I think, like you said, Giannis and Drew Holiday, I I don't even think, I think Giannis is going to check KD, and I think Drew Holiday is going to check Kyrie. And then I think PJ is going to be a hard. I think they're going to give Middleton the break so he can be more of a scorer and focus on that scoring output. I think that's what they need. They need him to keep fresh for offense because, you know, he has his days. Also, you made a good point. This is why you put Giannis on KD. Because if you put him on Harden or you put Holiday on Harden, they can easily get into foul trouble. 
you can you can Tucker can get into foul trouble. I mean, that's what he's there but for. You he, want he's there. To, you you he, yeah. want him to get into foul trouble. Tucker is there to get into foul trouble. You can't have Holiday, Giannis, or Middleton get into foul trouble because that can but, that can be the game. KD's right not a guy who draws a Neither lot of Kyrie. fouls. Neither that's Kyrie. what I'm saying. Like Harden's going to try to will you to get fouls. So it's like you put PJ Tucker on Harden. You have the seventh. Wait, 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 real quick. Yeah. It, can, I know these are two of your favorite players matching up. You think you think you think PJ Tucker is going to get the upper hand on James Harden? Oh, you think James Harden is going to get the upper yeah. hand on PJ Tucker? <laughs> I got how to ask this question. Serious answer. Serious Not for answer. real. It's going to be Harden. It's going to be hard. Of course, it's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why is because uh, Tucker is a much better defender against bigger players. I agree. Because he doesn't have, he he's not agile enough to guard faster <laughs> he players. He can't guard Curry. No, he knows that. He's Tucker doesn't have the lateral quickness to really keep up with guards like that. And that's why I think that you don't put him on those guards. You, you have to put, put him, him on, on a Kyrie. bigger player. But he's going to make Harden work and he's going to hack Harden. <laughs> and that's the thing. And Harden may foul, foul him out because Tucker does get his hands in there a lot. So Yeah, pause. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, I expect Giannis <laughs> to continue on and check Katie, you know, I think he's ready for the challenge. You know, being seven foot and that athletic, you're the only guy who can really check Katie. So can I test him too. Yeah, I, 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 I expect Giannis to come up, even if it's Giannis playing the five and PJ, you know, guarding Katie or just Giannis guarding Katie in the fourth. I expect at some point we're going to see a Katie and Giannis <laughs> matchup on. But like we, we're talking about, you know, on defense, we see Milwaukee matching up. But what is Brooklyn going to do when they have to match up with Milwaukee? Like who's going to be on Giannis? Who's going to be on Middleton? Who's going to be on Drew? Like, what are they going to do to stop Giannis? Because this isn't a team like Toronto or like Miami in the no, past we can't. We can't that can build the wall or they have the guys who can really stop Giannis. We and can't stop Giannis. Like, what I've seen Steve Nash do is just leave DJ on the island. I don't expect that's going to happen again. I think, you know, he's just going to let them go one-on-one and either KD guard him or if Jeff Green would have played Jeff Green guard him. But I, I, like, I don't know if DJ plays a series. Yeah, like it's if Claxton, it, that's going to be tough him. for him because he's you know he's skinny frame, but Giannis is going to get hit. Back to your you 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 Go you ahead. said you said Go ahead. you said Drew Holiday can't. I did check not say I did Kyrie. not say that's he can't. I did not say he can't check him. He said he could take him out for the whole series. Have you not no, seen? I, didn't. I said like at least three games. Yeah, you didn't. I say two. I say two games. But have you like? Do we forget that Kyrie has been but, taken but, out of series by lesser defenders? I mean, and Drew Holiday has taken people out of series. Like, do we not forget? I mean, but you act like you know basketball. You act like he's going to be guarding every play. You can call a screen, get a switch. It's just you know it's, what I mean. But, but it's that, inevitable. That's what the beautiful thing about that lineup is: switch on who? Who's he calling the screen for? And who's going to be in front of him after the I switch? Mean, I mean, because if you ask KD so, so, to so send me think, a screen, so, so you think you think Kyrie can't score on any of the people in, in Milwaukee starting? I'm not, no, start no, 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 he's a he's an offensive. Bro, we're machine. talking about. But I'm saying if Kyrie sets a screen, he has Giannis in front of him. No, he can he can get by Giannis. No, I'm not saying I've he can, it. but I'm saying you're you're saying it like it's so easy I, to no, get a I'm, switch no, and then boom. I'm not saying he's gonna average like 40 on Drew Holiday. No, I, never, I think he's never. gonna I think he's gonna get his 25, 27 points per game on slightly low efficiency. But Drew Holiday's gonna have his hands full guarding Kyrie Irving the entire series. Too, I get though. that part, but I'm saying I've seen Drew check the same like Dame. Let's be realistic. Dame and Kyrie are the same type of guy, offensive machines. Scoring, so it's like I've mm. seen Drew. I just think Kyrie, I, even with I, I all think, the screens, I just, think Kyrie, I just think Kyrie Irving has more of a mid-range game that's going to open up, open up his, open yeah, up his Kyrie offensive gets package. The spots better, he Definitely. does, but Dame has more range. Breaks down his defender better too. Dame has more range. Though. Dame has more range. And Dame was but, using a lot of but, screens. But Dame and Drew wasn't was still hitting. there. Dame wasn't hitting though. Because Dame was pulling all those shots though. Like if you watch that series, Drew they played good defense, but Dame wasn't the same. I, and, I saw and, Dame missing open. And you got to remember too, Dame is a guy who uses screens a lot. Kyrie doesn't really ask for screens. Everything is just one-on-one. 
ISO heavy, and it's easier. Not saying mm. you know Kyrie's an easy guy game to guard. Calls, I'm saying it's easy. More it's screens, it's yeah. easier to guard people who are just who play one on one than to guard guys who I, I look, use like the I screens. said. I, I like Drew Holiday. He's a, he's an All NBA level talent. I'm not not taking anything away from him. I agree that he, there's going to be maybe I think there's going to be two horrible games for Kyrie. I don't think it's going to be three. I but think yeah, I need. I think I think like how the respect we're putting on Drew Holiday as a defender. I think you need to put respect on Kyrie Irving as an offensive player too. Though. I am, but I've also because seen that's him. Kyrie Irving, bro. <laughs> like, the, I've, it, but I've seen like I've seen yeah, him. Like, I've no, seen him get locked so, up. I mean, even we're gonna okay. see though. Like, we're so, talking about we're gonna see. Yeah, I've seen Bledsoe put him this in is, a this chamber. Is what, this is what we're saying. I've this, seen him this, kill Bledsoe many times too. What JC is saying right now. What JC is saying. Exactly. What JC is saying right now is that he believes that Kyrie will have two horrible games. You believe he'll have three to four. Or horrible. You think like, he'll be the? Because I I doubt you believe it's a whole series. I didn't even. I think he's not. I right, I never said he. I think. Well, like, for the Dame when Dame got swept that year, right? Yeah. So he got. Uh, he he had, got but he had four back to back to back horrible. He didn't games. have one twenty point game in that series. I don't think that's going to be Kyrie. But I don't we'll think. See. I don't think. I think for the, you plus, guys to beat the Bucks. Plus, like. So sorry for cutting you off, but like you know, Portland like that year that like we have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Harris. So there's going to be more individual matchups. Damian Lillard in, in an interview said that the way that they were playing him was they were just blitzing him. You can try to blitz Kyrie, but you still have James Harden, you still have mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, you That's still have Joe point. Harris. Their Ford, you know their Ford was Alfred Camino. Yo, I agree, but and I they also were, they were I literally also, leaving him open the but, entire but, series. Like but that I, was their game. Plan. I also think you know. With you, the way you guys play, you're kind of playing. Not saying, and I'm not saying Kyrie Irving isn't an offensive machine. No, no, I get. I'm it. saying you're kind of playing to match. Drew Holiday's strength, which it, which is one on one perimeter, yeah, perimeter defender, which I mean, is, and it's, and I'm not saying you know Kyrie's not going to have a day, but it's going to be tough to do that. Oh, no. every single game against <laughs> him, like that's. But a he tough won't have to. I get it. He's not the best player on the team. Harden and KD are going to. But I think, much more I think to beat, I think I don't, I don't, I think to beat Milwaukee, they're going to need. Both, all three of them That's true. to be and on to one. To your point, right now, the Nets' big three are averaging 85.9 points per game in the playoffs. Yeah. KD's averaging 35, 8, and 3. Harden, 26, 7, and 11. Kyrie, 25, 7, and 3. I think three. that needs to be that and again. Shaq brought up a good point yesterday when talking about Shaq. the Clippers versus Mavs series and talking about Luka and because he was killing the Clippers. Yeah. He talked about how when there was a great score on the other team that they were facing, you had two options. You either let them go off or you double. And I think that's the plan that the Nets are going to have to figure out versus the Bucks because you're either going to have to let Giannis go off and not leave these shooters open or you're going to have to try and create a wall and risk those shooters getting high and getting their shots. In my opinion, I think you let I would, go off. I would let Giannis go off. Yeah, I don't you have to. Because Giannis is going to, at that point, you're trading twos for threes because Giannis is going to go off in the paint. Nobody's going to And he, him. you know, even if. Even if he goes off, I don't think, you know, of course he's not going to make every shot. You know, he's he's going to miss a lot of them, too. So I would say that I would just let Giannis go off and I wouldn't let these other guys go off. Obviously, there are some moments that you do help and stuff like that. But for the most part, I would just let Giannis go off and the Nets, because they're so proficient at shooting the three, you're trading threes for twos. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you definitely I mean, on that part. I, I think, obviously, just as a viewer, I think the Drew Holiday, Kyrie Irving matchup is going to be personally my favorite thing to watch just because you got the and I don't want to call him the best but you got a top five isolation scorer going up against a top three that's isolation true. defender he's, the, he's, he's that's true but he might very top well two, top two he might very well love be on Drew. James though we're talking about Kyrie but he might be on James see I, but I, I agree with you I think if you take James out of 
You take his game, playmaking out too. You take more out from the but from the Nets. I I agree with the fact that you said that James Harden is one of the best players at drawing fouls. So, mm-hmm. like you said, you need you need Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, he's Giannis also, yeah. present on the floor. He's one of the best at avoiding them oh, too. Can, though, and can I? Yeah, can, it just yo, depends can, on how much you trust. No, I've actually seen a couple games where Drew Holiday did lock up James Harden. But no, he's probably done it. No, like, I've seen it. I've seen it. Like it's crazy. Happened, but it's but like, can I ask you guys a question? So you know, we're we're going in depth about like the one on one matches defensively or whatever. I feel like we need to talk more about Chris Middleton. Do you think this is going to be the series where he steps up and proves to be that number two option, or do you think he's going to be the same old Chris Middleton that falls under pressure against teams that are just well? Because let's be honest, offensively and overall, I think the Nets are the slight favorites in this series. So do you think this is going to be another Chris Middleton series, or do you think this is going to be the breakout series where Chris Middleton? Well, I thought he played. Silent. I thought he crazy. played well against Miami. You know, I thought he did his thing. He stepped up for them big time. He hit clutch shots. I think for them they need to that Chris for them Middleton to, to beat, they don't get that. Yeah, I think for them win. to beat Brooklyn, he has to do that. You know, he has to step up. So you think he and can be continue this level of play, or do you think you know he's? Gonna I don't hit think. A wall? I don't think there's not going to be. There isn't nobody on Brooklyn who you like. There isn't. Brooklyn doesn't have any elite defenders one on one. So Kevin Durant, uh, he's an elite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, nah, is, he, he is. He is. He's an elite. I'll say this. I, I'll say this. I think Brown. Yeah, he's good. I think Chris Middleton in series past he uh-huh. had to be that versus Miami when they built the wall and took Giannis out the game mm-hmm. last year, not this past year, of course. He had to be that versus Toronto. Middleton had to be that because they took Giannis <laughs> out the game. The Nets can't take Giannis out of the game. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I don't think Middleton has to step up and be the leading scorer for the Bucs. Well, not leading scorer. I'm just saying or, the viable second option. Yeah, That's or, it. or I don't think he needs to be extraordinary. I think Middleton can be average. I think he can, you know, be mediocre, and they can still win because Giannis is going to dominate whoever's in front of him yeah, because there's no way to contain him in this series. And in other versus other teams, there were ways that they contained Giannis so you needed Middleton to go off. They have better personnel around yeah. Giannis now. Because if we're being honest, they only they only ask Middleton to go off when Giannis can't do anything. Yeah. And I think Giannis not only can't the Nets can't contain him, but we've seen this year Giannis has really improved his game in terms of He's posting playing. up, yeah. fading away. I mean, he finally got a little post fadeaway going yeah, he on. Does. I mean. He has really improved his game a lot where he's more of a half-court player. He's not exceptional at the half-court, but he's more of a half-court player. He's not the guy who's setting the offense up. You know, he's a guy who's playing like a big man, so I think that's definitely benefiting him more, Uh, especially with getting Drew now. So so prediction time. You you have the Nets in six. Nets in six. You have... Who do you have? Because you've been talking about the Bucs matching up with the Nets great, so... They do match up great with them. And this is why I got to stand on what I say. I got the Bucs in six. I'm taking, it. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm taking okay. it. I'm I'm standing on it. I've been saying it all year. I got the Bucks in six. I have the Nets in seven. I think this is a seven game series. I personally think this is the NBA Finals. Yeah, I think we're in store for a <laughs> yeah, great wh- series. Whoever, whoever wins this game will win the NBA championship. That's just my opinion. That's what I think is going to happen. Oh, and another thing. Right before we move on, who's the Bucks closer? Who do you think is going to be that guy? Be, I think it's it could be, be Giannis. Kyrie because the Nets big three, all three of them can be closers for the most part. I don't think the Bucks have that guy that can close the game like the Nets. It's Middleton. That's who it is. Yeah, I'm not scared of that. Yeah, it's, nah, it's Middleton. Next. Okay. It's Middleton. But we'll see. You <laughs> What's know? the score? What do you mean? Like, it depends. It doesn't matter. Any any clutch situation, like last shot or the last final two minutes, like anything. Who's going to be the guy that they go to? Because I know a lot of people. The games are going to be close. I think we can I all know agree. it's going to be Middleton, but it has to be honest. Like, okay. for them to win, it has like he has to step up and do okay. it. We'll see. So, what's your favorite Jolly Rancher flavor? Um, grape. Grape? Yours? Uh, green. 
Really? Lean apple. is good too. I like all of them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm I haven't finished. Blue I, is good too. Yeah. I haven't finished eating my grape. I don't know why, but that Jolly Rancher, the paper stuck onto the to the yeah. Jolly Rancher, so I had to bite why it. Why did you just ask me that? No, because I was just eating the Jolly Rancher. <laughs> oh. Why did you just? That? Yeah. So now we're gonna talk <clears throat> about the uh, Utah Jazz. And fun fact, I might be visiting Utah soon. Oh, for real? Next month, yeah. Because they have a lot of mountains. Wait, wait, but if, you're, if it's cool a maybe, why is, uh, you said fun fact. You said maybe. Because that's the that's a fact. No, you said maybe though. Yeah, a fact is I still a fact maybe. is something that's true. The you don't. The, you the don't fact know. of the matter is you might visit Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fact. Yeah, okay, you said fact. maybe, so I was just confused. You're gonna 50, try to make it. Uh, yeah, if there's a fifty-fifty, it it's not a fact. Yes, it is. No, it's if it's fifty-fifty, it's not oh, a fact. It still is a fact. Because if it's a chance, it's not. No, it's not a fact. But he's gonna try to make it into a reality. Yeah, you're gonna try. Okay, yeah, I'll give I'll give it to him. That's better. Try to make it into a reality. Okay, that's better. But yeah, they have a lot of cool. Sites over there. It's actually a nice place. Yeah, they have a lot of cool mountains and hiking. I'm, yeah. I'm going. I'm planning on going for a hiking trip. Going a week, a week, a whole week. That's just dope. Going man. walking. Yeah. Sure. You should definitely vlog that. Yeah, I'll vlog do it. They, do they have any uh, statues outside of uh, the? Utah they have arena? a John Stockton statue, right? Take a picture there. Ooh, yeah, take a picture there. I actually wanted to go during this time to maybe catch a Utah Jazz game, maybe in the It'd playoffs. Be, yo, they're racist out there. No, but it, that's it, what they it, say. They're racist, but their home crowd is crazy. It's one of the though. best places to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. That's what they say about about uh, Utah. That's but what I'm John Morant sure. was talking about. They yeah. was coming at his dad. They, they threw a beer at his. Mom I'm not going to generalize the whole state. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> no, I'm just speaking to strictly the fans. They say that in they both. only have like one team. They don't have a football team. They have. Yeah, they're more of a college, I think, state because yeah. they have BYU, uh, Utah, Utah State. More of like a college football state and basketball. They they really love basketball a lot. It's like Indiana. And Pete Maravich played there. Pistol Pete, right? Yeah. And Pistol, Pistol Pete, Atlanta and Utah. And talking about Utah, they do have a rich history of having some great teams that have never won a championship. You know, we go we go back to Carl um, Malone and John Stockton. <clears throat> they were a great team and never won a championship. Michael Jordan. Exactly, because of Michael Jordan. Then we go back to the 2000s era with Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Andre Karolinko, O'Kerr, Mehmet O'Kerr. Paul Millsap. Yeah, Paul Millsap, <laughs> a young a Paul team. Millsap. Yes, sir, they Boozer. had Kyle Korver. Yeah, they Williams. had Kyle Korver. Bruiser. Yeah, so they, Utah Jazz, they've had uh, they've had some really good basketball teams. Just no ring. And then in the early, I remember in the early 2010s when they had uh, the core of Al Jefferson and Millsap, and that was their I remember Big Al. Guys. Big Al was good. Yeah. So Utah has had some really good teams, but that they've never been able to get over the hump. But I got to say, this year feels a bit different because of how wide open the West is and how great Utah is playing basketball right now. I thought the one thing that might have deterred them a little bit was Donovan Mitchell's ankle injury. But he looks fine since he's come back. He's been awesome. I mean, in the playoffs, he's averaging 28.5 points per game, 7.8 assists per game coming off an injury. And Dylan Brooks has been his primary defender. And Dylan Brooks is one of the better perimeter defenders in the <laughs> NBA. And Donovan Mitchell has been killing him. Yeah. He's been totally he's been killing him. him. In the first half of game five, he, 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 he took over the game. Said he tone. took over the game and he dominated them. Mitchell had 30 and 10. Gobert had 23 and 15. Royce and Bojan had 17. And Clarkson had 24. That's and Jordan Clarkson, post-All-Star break, he's been super inefficient. Yeah. So if they that. can get that first half Jordan Clarkson where he's hitting at a 40% clip from three or at least 36 to 38%, I mean, this Utah Jazz team looks really scary. And fun fact, oh, this, actually, this, actually, this, this is actually this is not a maybe. This, this okay. is actually a fact. Donovan Mitchell ranks fourth with 27.4 points per game amongst active players with a minimum of 25 playoff games played. 
He's only behind Durant, LeBron, and Anthony Davis in that. Mm. No, so he's, no surprise. Yeah, so he's a big-time playoff player. He is a prime-time player. And somebody posted this on Twitter. They tweeted this, and it made me think. They said, outside of Brooklyn, the best big three in basketball is Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. It's a good big three. Um, wait, so um, what's what's the the topic question? Because you kind of just never like. No, the topic question is I, I'm going to get to it. Oh, but you want asking me to, us yeah. who, who's a better big three than that on paper outside <sighs> yeah. of Brooklyn? I would say uh, it's it's a um, damn, if healthy, I would probably say Steph, Clay, Dre. Well, this year if healthy. you can't. But yeah, but I was saying like I would probably go. I could say them. I think the second would be Chris Paul, Booker, Aiton. Depends on what you can even throw Holiday, Giannis, Middleton. Yeah, I think that's actually better. <laughs> you could say ah, Kemba's holding him back. But nah, you could say Kemba, say, JB, JT. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, Boston. I don't get him. Yeah, but uh, so okay. I do believe that the Utah Jazz can make the finals. I agree. And based on how, based on how, the Phoenix and Lakers series is going, if Phoenix does in fact win that series. We might see a Western Conference Finals of Utah versus Phoenix. Yeah, and Good. I tweeted earlier that this is the first year that the that the first and second seed may be pretenders in Utah and Phoenix, and now they might be going all the way to WCF. But the real question of the topic is: Do you believe Utah can make the finals? You already answered yes. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get to your reasoning in a bit. But do you believe that Utah can make the finals, JC? Okay, so Utah's waiting for the winner of. Uh, the Clippers and Dallas series. Dallas. Okay, I think they'll be Dallas in six. I think that'll be a good series. They'll be Dallas in six. Um, honestly, just <clears throat> how good they are defensively, and Donovan Mitchell coming back. You know, he's that playoff player. I I do think that I do think that they could make it to the finals. I don't think they're gonna win, but I think I think they have a shot to make it. Um, we'll see. I just defensively, just as far as their team defense is really good. It's really good and. I'm going to always count on Donovan Mitchell to be present because he's been showing that since his rookie year that he's a big-time playoff player. And you got the emergence of Mike Conley this year playing better. Rudy Gobert's good. Their bench is really good. They got the six man of the year, Joe Ingles. Not Joe Ingles, but Jordan Clarkson's six he's man a, of the year and Joe Ingles. Yeah, the co-six man of the year, basically. Yeah, yeah. and the winner. And um, a good coach. Solid, coach. solid, solid. Not, not even solid. One of the best home courts in the NBA. So, And their fans are back. So... Yes, I, I I do think that they can make the make the finals. Um, if they ha- if they happen to play Phoenix, I think that's a seven game series. If Chris Paul's healthy, if his shoulder gets any better, if it's not better, I think that ends in honestly five to six games. So yeah, I think I think Utah has a good chance to represent the West in the finals, just giving off everything. I have a, I have strong opinions on this because I, I you know I've been on on this year I've been kind of dying on this hill that. People think Devin Booker was better than Donovan Mitchell, and I've kind of been on the opposite end, saying I think Donovan Mitchell is Close. proven, and he's better than Devin Booker. Both of them have a phenomenal series, by the way. Shout out to Devin Booker; he might eliminate LeBron. And shout out to Boss Visuals; just got the thumbnail. Good looking, nice. good looking, Boss. Uh, shout out to Devin <laughs> Booker; he might be the first guy to eliminate LeBron in the first round. Ever. So that's that's Chris Paul too. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I, I think we're reaching a weird year that we're seeing the first time in a while that like a top 15 top 20 players leading his team to the finals you know usually you get guys who are in the top five top 10 we're about to see possibly top 15 top 20 guys leading their team and I, I think Donovan Mitchell is a top 15 player in the NBA I think he's one of the best offensive machines in the NBA in the playoffs he's one of the best players in the playoffs yep. leading his team this team is 
great defensively, great offensively. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams. And it's it's weird because I think they're ready for Dallas in a sense because the Clippers, we look at the Clippers and I'm like they have great individual defenders, but team defense is really how you yeah. stop a guy. And I think Utah really embodies that. They are a great team. They communicate on defense, something the Clippers lack. They talk on defense. They're together. Their cognuity is great, something the Clippers lack. They have the guys, but they don't communicate. Yeah. So I think all that pick and roll switching that Luka loves to get the big man. I think Utah and Quinn Snyder is going to be fully prepared for that if they play Dallas. If they play Clippers, I think the same thing. They'll be prepared for them to, them guys either. I think they're ready for any team in the league. They have their guy down the stretch. They have their big men. They have their bench. They have the three-point shooting. I think they have all the tools to make Good the team. NBA Finals. It's just everything has, it, everything has to go in the right way, and everybody has to keep showing up. And I'll be honest. Kevin on NBA Draft Attic on Twitter, you know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I love trolling him. This is the thing. He he meant he tweeted something that I'm remembering right now, that in this playoffs, everybody may have been overlooking how important chemistry is. I mean, and I, I'll say that I was a victim of that because based on the Lakers' talent, I had them advancing regardless of how many injuries AD or LeBron had. And now we see with Phoenix, their chemistry, you see, you see that that's why they're beating L.A., Utah the same way. Some people may pick the Clippers because of their two guys, their talented guys in Kawhi and PG. Some may even pick Dallas because of Luka, but Utah is, they have probably the best chemistry in the NBA out of any team. They've been together right? for they, a they minute. Have, they have the yep. best chemistry in the NBA, and that matters. And he tweeted that it matters, and at the time I was like, oh, I just you know shrugged it off. But now <laughs> coming to what's happening now, that's exactly right. And I think Utah, because they have the best chemistry in the NBA, everybody knows what their defined role is. You see games where they can just dominate teams. Memphis gave them a fight. A couple games. Game one, they beat them. Game two was a fight. Then as the series went on, it, it was wraps. It, Utah started really taking control and dominating that series. When a team beats you in five, it's because they they're just better. They're there. just better than you. That's <laughs> it. You know, six is a little bit like that. Seven it depends on how the six there. goes. Yeah, it really depends. And I think Utah can make it to the finals. And it's crazy that before the season started, nobody really thought Utah could be doing what they were doing. I thought they would be a middle. We of the had pack. a guy right here who said they wouldn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, JC didn't, but Jack <laughs> yeah, said Jack, they wouldn't make the Jack playoffs. Jack said they wouldn't even make the playoffs. I always thought they were a playoff lock. Yeah. Wait, for the longest I've, I've been on the Utah bandwagon. No, not sure. No, no, not you. No, I'm just said, saying, even last year, I thought oh, they no. had a chance to make You've the WCF. Donovan fans for life. I mean, yeah, you're the biggest Donovan Mitchell fan. My second favorite player. What? I mean, I feel like he's a bigger Donovan, Donovan Mitchell fan than you. Yeah, really, he's, my, he's like my top yeah, two no, favorite I've player. Been, I've been die hard since the trenches. I've been I, here I, I almost made you hate him how much I was gassing him. Yeah, but I've been here since the trenches, though. Me too. We've both been here. You wasn't here. You was here you draft day. Yeah, draft on. day. I was yeah. here before draft you sound day. Like some, you sound I like somebody. Like, my second favorite player. You sound like somebody putting somebody onto a musical artist, man. <laughs> it gets annoying. <laughs> or putting somebody. I put him on John Moran. It's fine. Everybody <laughs> always wants to get credit for putting somebody on. <laughs> nah, he did though. He did. He put me on. Thank you for paying homage. You like PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker is better than your franchise. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. I do you needed think him. Utah Jazz. They have a real shot at a uh, making the finals because. They're such a great team. Everybody knows their role. And I kind of like it because I think one of the more disrespected players in the NBA is Rudy Gobert. You know, people Shaq. people minimize his impact so much. Even before he got his extension, we were taught we had a segment on the show talking about if he should even get that much money, if, if he's worth that. 
And to his credit, he's been proving that. I mean, he's the best defensive big man in the NBA. Yeah. And I think this run that the Jazz are going on is finally going to stamp stamp him in that conversation amongst great big men because of his impact. Yes, he may not be he may not have a great offensive package, but he also makes a big impact on their offense with how he rolls and the gravity he provides. He yeah. kind of I'm not going to this is going to sound crazy how <laughs> it's going to come out. He's kind of like Steph on the perimeter when he's rolling though because he sucks in so much people on the defense to collapse that shooters are wide open on the perimeter, and that's why the Jazz have been getting so many open he shots. He sucks in so much. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that was crazy. You ever, you ever heard of Ian Eagle uh, commentate a game? I think of course. Michael, Michael, he was commentating a football game. Michael, Michael Crabtree caught a ball on the <laughs> sidelines, and he was like, oh, Crabtree, what a catch. He just sucked in that ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, Iron Eagle is funny as hell, but yeah, I know. Something's, look, something's come off wrong. No, I feel you, I feel you. That was just a little yeah. crazy. I was like, damn. It's all basketball talk. I don't know. It's funny, but yeah, I think that Gobert is finally going to get his respect, and I'm happy for him, you know, and I think Utah as a whole has been a disrespected uh, team and fan base for this entire year. A lot of people years. calling them contenders. Very disrespectful. I think and call, not, a lot of people calling them pretenders. And we we forgot, you know, they blew a three one lead last year, and that's that's yep. a chip on their shoulder. You know, they came back this year hungrier. People have been disrespecting them as Should've a number one seed all year. You know, they haven't respected them as a number one. They felt like they shouldn't even be up there. Injuries have kept them up there. Yep. And I think this year they're definitely, you know, Memphis was a dog fight. You know, granted, we knew Utah was going to win, but yeah. them young boys gave it all they could. Dallas is going to be Dallas or LA is going to be a dogfight. Phoenix or Denver or the Lakers is going to be a dogfight. But I think Utah. Would you, would you say the Jazz are the favorites to make it out the West? I still nah. It doesn't feel that way towards like the majority of the fans. I honestly think I'm just saying your opinion. Your my guys opinion. Opinions. I think they should be the favorites to come out the West right now. I think with LA teams, both LA teams. In a in a deep hole right now, got to win two straight. <laughs> With Dallas being too Luca reliant, Phoenix, you know they having Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Chris, but Chris Paul, injury. you never know. He can go down. I think Utah definitely has to be the favorite. I didn't even think if Chris Paul was healthy, I still think Utah would beat Phoenix. But I think Utah has to be the favorites right now. But if they go play Brooklyn in the finals, it's gonna be funny. You have Brooklyn in five. What about if they face Milwaukee? Six, seven, Milwaukee and seven. That? Bucks. I mean, I said seven. that. I think that whoever wins the Bucks Net Series wins the finals. Imagine Donovan Mitchell beats the Bucks. That would be crazy. But no, he got to go Jazz, shoot up the list. But Jason, you 10. think the Jazz are on some D Wade stuff pretty much soon? He is kind of like a D Wade clone. Yeah. What happened? Jason, you think the Jazz are favorites to make it out the West? <sighs> yes. Um, I had the Lakers for obvious reasons. You know, they were defending champions, but just seeing the AD injury, I don't know how he's going to play throughout the rest of the postseason. I don't know if the Lakers have enough. Good shooting to make it out. I mean, you had Dennis Schroeder and Caldwell Pope scoring zero points in a game, and it's just, it, I just think it's not their year. So, outside of that, I would have to, I would have to lean with Utah, just given the fact that they have the most chemistry and they're the best defensive, uh, best team defensive, the best team defensively, and then you know the three point shootings there too, and Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell. You just, it's just a really, really, really good team. So, yes, I think that right now they they should get that respect from people. I know they won't, but. I definitely think that outside of the L.A., it would be my second. second I, I think choice. I still think both L.A. teams coming up the first round. 
We'll see. I mean, I, I, I think it's a possibility. I, just, I, I just, think it is. I think it's not over. I think. I don't think it is either. Me neither. Kawhi and LeBron have both Especially been in the ditch if, if, like this before. So I, I still got them. Anybody knows LeBron's whole career, most of it's been like this down 3 2. No AD, though. It's tricky. Yeah. You got to get more of a contribution from Caldwell Pope and Schroeder. What they the can't hell? score zero. What more do you want from Caldwell Pope? To not score zero. He has to at least score 10 <laughs> double digits. Oh, at least hit your shit. Yo, he scored zero. That's, that's fair. Okay, that's and a Schroeder fair point. Scored Schroeder, zero. I don't expect him he to score zero. zero. Caldwell Pope's like, ah. You talked about the two LA teams. One of them we're going to talk about right now, the Clippers. <laughs> because the Lakers are playing tonight, so we're not going to talk about them because by the time this episode is out, it that could be game either will out be over. or. The Mavericks versus Clippers game five. The Mavericks won. They won 105 to 100. Uh, surprisingly, no team in this series has won at home. Home court advantage in this series does not matter at all. Luka had 42 points, 8 rebounds, and 14 assists. <laughs> he scored or assisted on 31 of the Mavs' 37 field goals. And I try to tell you, Luka is the best in the world right now. No other player you'd rather take in the NBA than Luka right now. He is that good. He is that fly. So... Hardway Jr. had 20 points, but he did shoot inefficiently. He shot 7, 19. seven for 19, yeah. I believe, yeah. And nobody on the Mavs outside of Hardway Jr. and Luka had double figures. KP struggled. Everybody struggled, basically. Kawhi had 20 points, shot 7 for 19 and 1 for 7 from 3. Zubach played 20 minutes, and he, he did okay. 7 points, 11 rebounds. But when he's played 20-plus minutes or more in this series, the Clippers are 0-3. And... Man. Just a question I have to you guys is one of them being, do you believe the Clippers will still come back or you think that the, the Mavericks will win and come out of the series? And the second, this for you, Riv, individually. How yeah, you can, pick the Clippers to win it all. Yeah, of course. How okay. can you not think Luka is the best in the world after what you've seen? To answer that, I don't, I don't fall in love with the recency bias. JC knows this. That's why he loves to ask me questions at the end of the year. I like to <laughs> evaluate a totality of the year and then come up with a full analysis. But I do, you know, think you can make the claim that he's been playing like the best player in the world right now. I just don't fall in love with the recency bias because, you know, any any great player that's in the top five, top six, top seven range can go on a stretch where they look like the best player on the world. So I just, I don't get into the recency bias. He has been playing phenomenal. He's been dominating my guys and there's really nothing I can say too much about it. You know, he's been killing Kawhi. He's been killing PG. He's been killing Pat Bev. He's been killing Zubak. He's just been killing them all. So I, there's nothing I can say. But he's definitely been performing admirably. So I got to give him his respect. What are you asking you, I, Oh, you want me to? You got to give your prediction for the oh, series. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You, you, uh, dang. I still have the Clippers coming yeah, you gotta out. You got to go with the Clippers. You yeah, I still, I still had the Cl- Clippers coming out. You know, I still, I think they're going to go in game six. <laughs> And I'm I really I'm gonna sit and watch the game and pray to God that he doesn't play Zubak 20 minutes, and hopefully we continue with the small. But you know, at first in the beginning of the game, you know Rick Carlisle kind of you know messed up the Clippers putting out Boban and Porzingis out there. But I really feel like in the beginning, you know, the Clippers were just missing shots. You know, they were having open three after open three after open three. They were just missing. You know, they got it going. That game was another game, just like games one and two was in their hands. And in the fourth quarter, like it's been consistent all year, they folded when it mattered. You know, in the fourth quarter, they had to dig themselves out of a hole. It was down 12. They got themselves out of it, made some stupid mistakes in the clutch. I don't know why Kawhi rushed that three. It was an air ball. That was a terrible shot. Yeah, you saw Rondo's face. He was just disgusted. Kawhi was a minus eight when he was on the court. Tyron Lue's substitutions was pretty bad in the second half. Playing Zubak, I understand they were going big, but 
You've seen the team when they were small. They was gritty. Boban, he was scoring, but he wasn't. He was causing turnovers. All you got to do is get him in foul trouble. Porzingis, nobody's worried about Porzingis. Nobody has been worried about Porzingis all series. But I think the Clippers are going to go into game six. They're going to take that W. And then game seven is going to come down to the line. As if you can really, if Kawhi and PG are going to show up. I think PG has been consistent throughout the series as being that second star. You know, he's been that guy. Kawhi, he, game six, he just didn't show up, you know. So I just... Game six, they got to go in there and play like Kawhi and PG. And then game seven, it's going to be up in the air. Really, it's going to be up to Kawhi. Last year when the Mavericks faced the Clippers in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs, I remember before the series we were doing a preview on it, and I said that Luka and KP can match the star power of Kawhi <laughs> and PG. And the role players for the Clippers are the ones that are going to be the one to put them over the top in that series. And fast forward one year later, and Luka Doncic single-handedly is – basically Kawhi plus PG. He's playing better than both of them combined by himself on the Mavericks, putting the team on his back. In the first quarter, Luka came out and absolutely dominating, hitting an array of threes, getting any switch he wanted. Luka is special. He's next level special, but we knew that already. I told you last episode when you were on that Luka will not lose four straight games. He will not. (laughs) And he didn't. He won this game and... Based on how this series is going, Game 6 is going to the Clippers, and Game 7 will decide the winner of this series. I think I do now believe this will be a seven-game series, and I don't think home court matters in this series because have you seen the Clippers crowd? Half of it is people. The other half is cardboard. That's really what it is. If you, I don't know if you noticed that, but no, the other half of the arena is a completely cardboard. Yeah. At least still why. not fully... But I feel like the Lakers don't have cardboard fans. They don't have a lot have of louder fans. fans. <laughs> yeah, they're just louder. They're more passionate. Yeah, that is true. When have yeah. you ever met a? They Clippers have the same fan? capacity. They're just louder in Lakers. But but the one play that stood out to me in this game was the play nearing the end of uh, the game in the fourth quarter was Terrence Mann getting a steal, reading Luca's pass. He stole it, passed it to PG. He started going up the sideline. They were on a fast break. PG passes it to Terrence Mann. He drives it. He can either he has open layup. Luca's on him, but Luca, you can see he's backing up. He doesn't want to foul Terrence Mann or even contest it. Terrence Mann has a layup. He could either finish it with his left hand or do a reverse layup. Instead, he threw this crazy pass. Or dunk it. He threw this crazy pass. He just it was a prayer that just so happened to land in the hands of Nicholas Batum. <laughs> even though that pass could have very well been a turnover, Nicholas Batum gets it, has a layup, which I thought was a pretty open layup. It was, it, was, an, it, was, it, was it was an open, open layup. Was open. People, people in the replay have been like, oh, Batum didn't expect I'm that pass. I'm not hearing that. Batum had that. an open layup, and he simply missed it. But in that situation, that's exactly why I don't uh, – Tyron Lue obviously has a ton of trust in Terrence Mann, and I think he's a terrific young player. Even though he is 24, he's not that young. This is why <laughs> – this is why you have to have experienced players in the playoffs late in the games in those situations because – in that situation, you either have to get the ball and pass it back to PG because he is your closer, or you have to find Kawhi. You have to find one of those two guys, and I think that cost the Clippers a game because at that point it was a one point game, ninety four to ninety five. If they would no one oh one, I forgot. I it was forgot. a one point. I guess yeah, it was, it was a one point game. game. I don't know if it was ninety four ninety five, but it was a one point game. You have to find either Kawhi or PG, and they have to close out the game because I believe there was less than thirty. There was there was less than nineteen seconds on the clock at that time. So you have to find one of them, get them the ball, and get them to either miss or make the shot. You live with the result. But Terrence Mann can't have the ball in that last possession. 
He just got a little bit too carried away. He made a great play. The adrenaline got in his excited. body. He got excited. And that's why I did that. But I think that's the big play to me that stood out and what caused the Clippers. And that, to me, was was the play that cost the Clippers the game or a chance at least to have a better chance to win the game. What I've noticed is, you know, when the Clippers beat Dallas, they blow them out. You know, they beat them in convincing fashion. But when it comes to a crunch time game, you know, a fourth quarter game, Dallas seems to get the edge. And what I've noticed from that is that Clippers are making dumb mistakes down the stretch. They're not get finding their guys. Like there was there was a sequence in in the second half where PG didn't touch the ball for about two to three minutes. You know, it was just a bunch of shots going up. Him not like he was a plus seventeen. Why don't you not get your guy involved? Get him to set the offense up when you need him to the most. So it's they got to win game six. You know, I, I feel like this is a legacy game for Kawhi. You know, it is. last year was already a legacy series. He botched that. So this this PG game six. Too. Yeah, but yeah. Kawhi is more though, but PG is Yeah, so this this is too. legacy for both of these guys. And I, and I think this could be the end of the Clippers' week run. You know, the week two year run. This could very well be the end if they botch it in game <laughs> six and don't win it in Dallas. So you believe Clippers will still win? Yeah. In seven. I think the Mavericks will pull out. Gonna the die series. on that hill. Now, JC, who do you think will win? Oh, this is tough. I mean, and also, do you think Luka is the best player in the world right now? No, but I think he's top five. Top five? Yeah. Not even top three? I mean, he's playing like a top three player. <sighs> I, Everybody know my top three, so I ain't even going to get it. Nah, I wouldn't say top three. He's top five. Um, Mavs close out in six or Clippers or Mavs win in seven? This is tough. I mean, I, I, I see so much on the line for, obviously, the Clippers as a franchise, as a legacy standpoint, as a coaching standpoint for Tyron Lue. So I'm going to take the Clippers in seven. I think they're going to win the next game, and I think they're finally going to win the game at home. Um, but like I said, I mean, if Luka and the Mavs lose this series, there's not really they much on the line. They have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you pretty much have everything to lose. Clippers as a franchise, you have completely everything to lose after this. And then Tyronn Lue, you might not get another coaching job after this again. So, I mean, just given off the fact that there's more pressure on the Clippers, um, I for the most part, I, Kawhi's been playing really well this series, and Paul George has been playing really well either. I know there's been a lot yeah, of people. Has. There's been there's been a lot of people waiting to pounce on him for his mistakes, but he's honestly been playing Thank pretty God. good. I couldn't take another. He's collapse. been playing really good. So I mean, I think they're gonna take care. I think they're gonna take care of business. Game six, and I think game seven is gonna be down to the. It's gonna be a nail biter. But I just I, I see the Clippers winning just because they have so much to lose. But I will say Kawhi shot. What was what he shot? Seven for nineteen. Seven for nineteen. Kawhi, one for six from three. Kawhi can't have another. Obviously, he can't have another game like that. So I, I, my money's on Kawhi because for the most part, when it's time to show up, he does show up. But we'll see. I mean, they haven't shown any flashes of stopping Luka Doncic. So I mean, I just think just because the Clippers have so much to lose, I just think they'll they'll, they'll edge this one out. But I mean. Don't, I, I don't know. The one thing that's keeping them afloat is when they go small the whole game. Like, not even small. small Rondo but Rondo was bad last game. Yeah, not even small, but where they just play one guard and four wings. Just straight go like that so they can switch everything. You know, Reggie Jackson had a really good game, too. Yeah, I he's good. He had a really good game last game. But that's, just go four wings and just switch everything. Because at this point, playing Zubak and Pat Bev, it's... Luca is literally when he sees them is having fun. Yeah, he's just having fun. Everything goes in, so you got to just play the four wings and just either Rondo, just rotate Rondo or Reggie Jackson out in and out the game, and that's the only way I I see them pulling this one out. I mean, Luca's obviously been the most impressive player in this series, but um, 
Do you think there's any chance that Luka lays an egg in any of these two games? Or do you think he's just going to continue to drop 40 points with like 15 assists and keep him afloat? Because if he doesn't play up to those standards, which are very high standards, and he's proven he can do it. But if he doesn't, they don't have a shot at winning because their second best player last game had eight points. Yeah, he has, he, I don't he believe to, he lays, a, lays an egg. He has to continue to he put had, up like, those he numbers has to, to keep them to, in the and game. he's great enough to do so, but I think he'll do it. I think he'll have he's 40. He's one of those players. Great player. He's one of those players. Yeah, I think he'll have another 35. He is better than Kawhi. You know, you know I'm what, sorry, he is. You know what I was it's thinking close, about? I was actually thinking about saying this during the segment. But oh, boy. I was thinking about it yesterday. Luka Doncic reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, when I first saw him play, I knew that's one of the best I've ever seen. <laughs> Even though he didn't have the accolades, he didn't have the Super Bowls, the MVPs, now just from just from the eye test, I knew Patrick Mahomes was one of the best I've ever seen. You are that is what I see from Luka Doncic right now. I just watch him and I say he's one of the best I've ever seen. What is most disrespectful? I'm sports not disrespectful. Fan I've ever met. It's just in a my fact. Life. What has Mahomes been? He's he's an been MVP. He's a Super Bowl no, no, winner. Yeah. What has Luka then, been since then? But, but I I said Mahomes was an all time great before he won his first MVP. No, you didn't. Yes, I. You want to bet? I don't, I, well, I I don't know. Tools. I don't know. You probably didn't tell me. You probably didn't tell me. But still, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, he, bro, you called him the best quarterback of all time. After he won no, MVP. I, no, no, no. Before he won MVP. No, but you I, called him the greatest quarterback ever, right? Yeah, I said he's better than Payne Manning. You say he's better than Tom Brady, too. As a talent. To. You said he's better Ta- than As him. a talent, of course. You said he he's a better player as than As a him. talent, of course, he is, yeah. I think, like, of course. when you do that, right, like, you disrespect the people before them. No, there's so a difference. There's a difference between legacy and resume but you're saying the greatest of versus, all time versus That's talent no yeah, really. i just think the best like the just the player the best i've ever seen luka's it, not that for me in basketball is oh, not so but just luka he's an all-time great for me already but then he's got to do more. Though. Yeah, you can't. He's well, all-time, all-time, he's all-time great player okay. already for me. Maybe well, he doesn't well, have the legacy well, and the resume to we prove. Could, it. So how is he an all-time? Well, great? well we could just do this. How I see him. No, play. but we could do this. You could line up anybody who you think's in the top ten in NBA history his first three years. Along with Lucas, and he and he fares pretty well. That's why I say he's probably on pace to do it. But right now, I mean, you his can't fir- call him, his first three seasons are better than LeBron's. Yeah, so I mean, he's Didn't on LeBron's pace. third season. He go to the finals. I'm not fourth. sure. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm on. A, no, I'm he, not a history no, he did. Guy, no, it's fourth. His fourth year. Fourth? He was, he's 22 years old. He made it. So I'm saying Dwayne Wade in his third one to the finals. You look Luca's first three years matchup against any all time greats first three years. Yeah, but it's, well. it, you don't. It, it, you don't. It, but, it, it fares but, pretty but, well. But here's the, the he's kicker, already an all time. But here's the kicker with that. At least player just watching him play. He here's is. the kicker okay. with that. When you guys say that none of them all time greats were all time greats in their first three years. So even you can I say, say he's all, I said no, he's I'm on just pace. Saying, no, even if you, you can say he's on pace, but everybody you're saying aside from maybe Magic Johnson who won a ring. In finals MVP Wade. or D Wade, who won a, his ring his third year, none of them guys were really on pace, to, or not, none of them guys were all time greats in their first year because everybody know knows saying. you have to build up of course. I, that I type know, of resume. I know what you're saying. Is but he better than Kevin Durant? Resume wise? No, is he better than Kevin Durant right now? It's a different Luka. situation. Do you think he's better than him though? No. I know what you're saying, and you're talking about players, resume. Though. I'm not talking about resume. <laughs> I'm just talking about the odd test, and from what I see, I feel like I'm watching someone who's going to be a top 20 player of all time. Like, okay, you see, okay that's be. fair. That's fair. Yeah, 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 I would even be, say okay. top 10. But you I'll see how you honest. keep changing up what you're saying. No, I don't, I'm not changing up what I'm I saying. Mean, if you're a top 20 I, player, I said, you're all time great. Yeah, 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 but you just said a, top 10 before. I never, no. Top 10 is very good. But then you just went to top 20, though. Could he be as good or better than Larry Bird? Yeah, I think so. 
He could. I don't think. I don't think. I think it's more about but it's impact. Too too much. It was what, too, what, the games are too different. What does Luca yeah. not do that's not impactful? It's, no, no. I didn't say. See, you're 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 confused. What I'm saying. I'm I didn't say. I didn't say Luca's not impactful. Oh, he's very impactful. I, I didn't say that. I just saying Larry Bird would like his impact on Boston. Like they were consistent finals ECF team every year. You like, also had a stacked roster. Definitely. And did. That's why you got to you know. Every, the reason. Yeah, you can't really compare. I mean, to say he could. Be better than Larry Bird. I mean, what Larry Bird only played like what 12, 13 seasons, right? Uh, maybe less, maybe like 10, 11. See, I mean, if Luka Doncic puts forward like you know ten great seasons or even exceeds like like fifteen seasons, then yeah, it's not out of just, the realm. Just, to say just, he an, could F- be. just an FYI, JC, Dallas Mavericks fans get very mad uh, when Bird you when you, when you mispronounce Luka Doncic's name. It's not Doncic, it's Doncic. Doncic? Oh, I say Doncic, right? Yeah, <laughs> Doncic. It's Doncic. Yeah, we, we, we said it before. I mean, you know, I'm just calling Luca. I mean, Bird won. Yeah, Bird won back to back MVPs. Dude. I get Luka. what you're saying. I see and MVP I, I t- in Luca's future eventually. Yeah. Res- resume wise, you Luka. got it. I'm not gonna argue it, but I'm just saying from the odds test. Same thing with Mahomes. From the odds test, when I when I first saw Mahomes his first season, I said this guy is the best I've ever seen because Mahomes is just that different. Whoa, whoa. Let's see. Resume wise, Mahomes isn't even the best, but he's not the greatest. Like it's different, it's a difference between best and greatest. Well, I think Mahomes is the best. To put your theory to test, let's see. And Rogers there too. Let's put this theory to te- uh, to the test. You said that Luca and the Mavs have a chance to go to the WCF, right? They do. So let's see if he can do it. Yeah, we'll see. Let's and see. Th- see not even this, it. but just just if he beats the Clippers in the first yeah, round, he would see. be the guy responsible for splitting up Kawhi and PG. Mm. For beating that Clippers team that had so many expectations, yeah, I just, I just think you're, you're you're jumping too much to the gun. So wait, for a so guy. you don't, you, so can I finish what I'm saying? I just want to ask you this question. I'll ask mm-hmm. you this question because because I know you feel a little bit passionate, more passionate about this. What when Derrick Rose was the youngest MVP ever? Yeah. Would you say at that time you were watching a player that was one of the best you've ever seen? No. You don't think so? No. He wasn't an all-time great at that time? No. Based on that one year that you no, said this I, guy's I, the youngest MVP in NBA I, I, history. I, what I said was he was all, he was going to be on pace to be one of the best point guards like that's ever played in the game. On pace. Obviously, injuries derailed yeah. his career. But if he would have consistently kept on that track record of averaging what he averaged, yeah. he would have been an all-time great. I agree. Yeah. And I think that season was an all-time great season. Okay, you can say that. I get what and you're that saying. And the player that we watched that year, you can put up. I mean, we're putting, we're still comparing that that Derrick Rose to this current Russell Westbrook, and this current Russell Westbrook is an all time great. I, I see what you're saying. I, so I, at I, that time, you were watching an all time great player, but he couldn't consistently do it because of injuries. What I'm saying is that right now, what I see in Luca is one of the best players that I've seen because you he plays the game at his own pace. You can't slow him down. Draymond mentioned it yesterday how. He just has total control of the game. And there are very few players in NBA history who are able to do that. And Luka is LeBron one of those guys. I get what, he you're, is. I get what, you, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying with, like, with D. Rose, we saw a full season and then him in the playoffs. I get it. You but saw I, three, I'd, no, I'd argue, five games. I'd argue even though Luka doesn't have an MVP, this Luka is better than that. Derek no, but Rose. I'm not. No, I'm not talking about the MVP. I'm just saying like you saw we saw D. Rose for a full season. Do what he do, right? Win the MVP. And then we saw him in the first round against Indiana, first second round against Atlanta, and then against Miami. You saw Luca for five games, <laughs> and then you said he's— Last the, year, too. But you didn't say what he, you're saying last no, year. No, I did. I mean, I, I thought Luca was great last year. No, we all 
knew he was great last year. But yeah, I'm saying like great. what you're like what you're, you're what you're saying is after five games. Like let's wait and see. But I'm not if he continues on the games. pace. Yes, you are. I, no, I'm saying this. Obviously, this series he's playing phenomenal. He's even made out the first round. You're saying he's on pace, right? Yeah, but last year. His full season, almost averaging a triple double, averaging twenty eight to twenty nine points, twenty nine nine and nine. His rookie season, winning rookie of the year, being phenomenal. I mean, right now, just his playoff numbers are all time great playoff numbers. Yeah, just for the start, it's two playoff series, you know. It's two. I know it's two playoff series, but I'm just saying at this pace right now, I feel like I'm watching one of the one of the play, one of the best players I've ever seen play the game. I've just at the pace that he he's plays, got a, he's got a long career ahead of him. So that's why I said he's got I could a long career with lots of ups and downs. So and LeBron even said that he was the first. Luca was the first guy he wanted to sign on to Team LeBron, of course, because he should. He wouldn't want to sign because he, LeBron knows it too that he sees a guy who can can have that resume of a top 10 player in history. I agree. I agree. But I think right now he already plays at that level. He just has to consistently do it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a stud. Yeah, Luka to I me, mean, like Dallas I said, Luka lucky. to me, Luka to me, the, the comparison for me is Luka to the, to the NBA. Let me say it again. Luka to the <laughs> NBA is what Patrick Mahomes is to the NFL. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you saying. Like, yeah, he, he already plays at a top 10, top 15 all-time level. It's just with, you know, with the top 10 guys, they all have the resumes to back up their play. So Luka just has it's to just get the, the... The thing is, they've played at that level for much longer, too. Yeah, that's true. So we got to... You've got to wait and see. He's only we'll like see, 22, though. right? It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's interesting, though, because But we really, can even, even really in like... <laughs> just We're just talking about NBA... We're talking about EuroLeague. He has an all-time great okay, EuroLeague track record too. He Compazzo won, won an MVP in the EuroLeague. We don't care. Yeah, but Luca won. Yeah, he's the fi- go to EuroLeague. Luca won. Yeah. Luca won the Finals MVP in the EuroLeague too. Yeah, but do we really care? At like seventeen, though. sixteen, sixteen. Okay, but like, do we really? I mean, that's care. the second most competitive I'm say, basketball I'm not, league. I'm not saying it matters because it doesn't matter saying, when we're talking about the yeah. NBA. I'm not. saying. It's impressive. But he's just trying to point out. I'm not that saying you care, but I'm saying for so young. in Europe already, yeah, yeah, he's an all-time. Pardon me. Let me not knock that. That is impressive. Pardon me. Pardon me. In Europe, he's already an all-time great. He just has resume. Now come over here and be all-time great over here. Europe's doing it so far. He's schooling everybody. Yeah, he is. Now you gotta come over here. You got because I I promise you, if one of our best players go over to Europe, they'd be the greatest player ever, easily. LeBron, yeah, Curry, Harden, without a doubt, easily, easily. At sixteen, that's LeBron. Yes, LeBron. Yes, sixteen. Yes, LeBron. Yes, Kobe maybe too. Sneaky, Kobe might be too. There's only a few yeah, we're of those. forgetting Luca was so dominant and so young. Yeah. He was a prodigy. He's really a basketball prodigy. Yeah, that's Remember true. They were talking about up, uh, Ricky Rubio like that, but he never panned out. Yeah, he he played good in FIBA. He was actually really good in FIBA. He was, but he tore his ACL though, so that kind of derailed his career. Luca, Luca, Luca's a <laughs> Luca's an animal. I'm not gonna lie. They got another guy coming too. I'll trade anyone on the big three right now for him. I'm dead serious. Well, definitely Kyrie. I'm dead serious. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm dead serious. Really? I'm just looking towards the future. Kevin Durant, oh, yeah. you want Kevin Durant, you want James Harden, give me Luka, I'm doing it. I'm going to keep it honest with you, bro. You're a Brooklyn fan. You shouldn't be looking towards the future. You should try to win right now. So now we're going to go on to, uh, before we go no on. Uh, but would you rather be one ring and then no future or no ring I'd rather back to back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we'll see. Yeah. Before we go on to the next segment of the show, support for the Pick Aside podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped 
with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PICKASIDE at manscaped.com. Yes, sir. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the 4.0 lawnmower, and I'm blown away by the performance, the craftsmanship, and details of this 4.0. It's next level. I actually tried it when um, Manscaped first sent me the package. They sent Riv and I and Jack a t-shirt, boxers with the lawnmower 4.0, and this is amazing. It has a ton of features, right? I can name you right now. It has skin-safe technology with replaceable blades. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer for focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. And now I feel comfortable when I shave my body, knowing I'm not going to get those nicks and cuts. This, this upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch that can engage in a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 400, 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through an additional guard length with sizes 1 through 4, and it has wireless charging. The new wireless charger system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. If you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with the pubes in their mouth. And it's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Pick a side at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. So to say it again, you can use 20% off and get free shipping with the code pick a side at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use and use code pick a side. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Great. Product. Shout out to Manscaped. Yes, sir. The new Great Lawnmower product. 4.0. You can go get it. Promo code pick aside, get 20% off. And a team that needs to take some off time <laughs> right now are the New York Knicks. And they need to take some off time because they got exposed by the Atlanta Hawks in the first round of the playoffs, losing in five games. A lot of things went wrong with the Knicks in this in the first round. But we're going to talk about what they should do in the offseason because we're not going to talk about what went wrong. We Everybody already knows that. So what's the next step for the Knicks? I'll let you start first, Riff. Well, it's, you know, it's going to be a tricky offseason. You know, there isn't, I think the best guy is probably DeMar DeRozan uh, and Kawhi. You know, I think you guys can make a strong pitch for Kawhi, but I think the way you guys lost, it's not looking too good. You know, I think if you put up more of a fight, Kawhi would look at it as a winning environment, but I, I don't see him really looking that way but like I said Kawhi DeMar DeRozan Kyle Lowry this is that type it's pretty dry free agency so I think the next step would be development you know I think Julius Randle made that insane leap I think that we can all agree made it all NBA leap and I think another year of the Tom Thibodeau he's going to make another leap same with RJ Barrett you know getting Mitch Robinson back who we didn't get to see you know he missed some time he's going to make a leap and I think just continuing to grow and build that continuity in the in the roster, in the organization, keep building up that culture, keep getting better with the young guys, would only continue for you guys to get better. I think 
getting a better offensive scheme. You know, with Tom Thibodeau, you know, it's hard to really assess how good his offensive scheme was because when we had him in Chicago, you know, we had D. Rose, who was already there, Luol Dang. So we had offensive players who kind of just ran the show. But his defensive scheme is second to none. I think offensively, you guys just got to keep getting better. Randall has to learn from his mistakes, still being the number one guy. I definitely think you guys should definitely make a play to try to get a number two guy or maybe somebody a little bit better than Randall. But this is not the end for the Knicks. Randall, he played poor, but based off what he's shown us and his work ethic, he's going to continue to get better. So I think this year, this offseason is just about, you know, player development, maybe nagging another guy for the bench, you know, a good player, maybe get some veteranship, some leadership in the organization. But other than that, definitely just build on what you produced this year and be excited that you're back in playoff contention. The Knicks have two first-round picks in this draft. Some Knicks fans have been talking about drafting Sharif Cooper out of Auburn. Maybe Jared Butler out of Baylor, who I think is a really good player and I think fits what Tom Thibodeau wants to do as well. He's a great defender. And I'll say this. The Knicks have to hit on the draft picks. We know that. But they have to make a decision. They have to either A, want to build this young core, or B, they have to sign players. And I'll say this. At first, I said, it's a great idea if we go out and sign a DeRozan. Even though I think his game will kind of clash with Randall, I think Kyle Lowry would be much better for that. But then I said, let me look at 2022 just to make sure it's not a stacked class. And on second thought, the Knicks should not sign one free agent in this free agent class. The best free agents in 2021 are Mike Conley, who was going to go back to Utah. We can all agree on that. Kyle Lowry, who I don't think is going to go to the Knicks. He might go to a contender. And even if, why would we sign Lowry if we're thinking about, thinking about bringing back Derrick Rose? Right. That's another one. DeMar DeRozan, I think his game will clash with Julius Randles. Otto Porter, he, his name... He ha- his name rings bells because there was a point in time where he was a pretty solid player, but I don't think he's better than Reggie Bullock right now. I'd rather keep Reggie Bullock than get Otto Porter. Yeah. Victor Oladipo, injury prone. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr., he's been on the Knicks two times already, but I don't think he's going to come back. <laughs> yeah. Dennis Schroeder, after what he's done with the Lakers, I will not get him. He's a score first guard. And I don't think that's going to help the Knicks exactly. It doesn't make sense. And Evan Fournier. Those are the best free agents in 2021. Now when we look at 2022, these are players with player options. James Harden, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie. Oh, boy. All of them have player options. There you go. Unrestricted free agents, Steph Curry, Kawhi, Zach Levine, and Jimmy Butler. That's a great So this is what the Knicks should do. Julius Randle. Has a player has a team option this this offseason. The Knicks have to pick it up, have him play next year, let that contract expire. Don't extend Randall. Then in 2022, try and get Steph Curry and Kawhi to team up in New York. That's what has to happen. That's what I think they should <laughs> do. And even if they don't, even if they're not trying to get Curry or Kawhi, try to get Levine. Try and get Jimmy Butler reunite with Tom Thibodeau. Maybe, I think Bradley Beal declines his option because Washington is a mess. Try to get Bradley Beal who can put up 30 a night. You got to get these guys who are stars and then build around them. The thing about Tom Thibodeau is that if you get a guy like Bradley Beal who can, who can light it up, 
you already have the defense in place to kind of mask his weaknesses. So it's the perfect place. And with our two first-round picks, with quickly developing Toppin, RJ, Mitch, we have already some foundational pieces. We just need those stars to take us over the top. So don't sign a free agent in 2021. Wait and sign him in 2022. I I think the Shreve Cooper one was pretty impressive, you know, getting him to be your point guard for the future. I think he's really talented, a great playmaker. He's a shot maker. He's a very strong finisher at the rim, so I think that would be a good pickup. Obi Toppin, he showed some flashes in the playoffs. I, I Definitely. Was, he showed some impressive, you know, stretch the floor. You saw him put some effort on defense, so I liked him. Now, Steph Curry is not going to the Knicks. I'm just going to lay that out right now. He wanted to. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want it anymore. He's probably 95% sure going to go back to Golden State. Kawhi is a tricky one. You know, I feel like you guys in Miami are the two places he's looking for outside of home. You know, he stated repeatedly he wants to stay home. He wants to finish his career home. But outside of that, I think he'll probably look at you guys in Miami, two teams that you know, built their foundation on defense, something he wants to get back to. And he doesn't have to be the number one scorer. Like, he doesn't have to carry the scoring load, you know. So I think those are the two places. And with two coaches he respects, I think those are two places that I'd definitely get him right. I wouldn't really look look into Kyrie. We've already seen Kyrie as a number one option. He's not that guy. He's more as a second or third fiddle, you know, guys carrying him. He's just a scorer. We could steal Katie and Harden from Brooklyn. Yeah, we're not thinking about that. Um, You tried that. I put him in them Knicks jerseys. Stealing KD <laughs> and Harden would be dope if it actually, you know, would happen, but I don't think it happened. Bradley, it depends on if the next if the Nets totally collapse, then there's a possibility, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, and I think Bradley Bill would be a good one because I think he's he's younger than Kyrie. He's a guy who the ball doesn't have to always stick with him, and he's a guy who can play off the ball, on ball. His defense will be masked in your system, and I think he can play really well with Julius Randle because of the fact that the ball doesn't always stick with him. It just it had to in Washington Best because Carnally. they suck. So I think Bradley, Bill, and Kawhi definitely should be the two guys that should be on your mind, not thinking about the other guys because those aren't realistic. You don't think they're not realistic? I don't think Steph Curry is uh, at all realistic. What about Zach Levine? Oh, Zach would be cool, but you're not getting him because we're going to resign. How many uh, max contract spots do you guys have? Two, right? Two, if Julius Randle does not get signed back. So we have two. Yeah, I, I, I like <laughs> like your idea. It's almost like you're kind of using Julius Randle. You know, you know, Unless he becomes the guy. Because if we sign him well, long term, we can't sign two. And I don't think. I, I would. I, I, don't I think, like your yeah, idea. I don't think any superstar player is looking at Julius Randle and saying, I want to play with him. No disrespect. But I just don't think they're doing that. I think with Kawhi, players say, I want to play with Kawhi. I want to play with Steph. I want to play with KD, Harden. I don't know if people are doing that with Randall. Even Bill, I think they, they're not doing that that much either. But I think, you know, Bill and Randall wouldn't be too bad. I wouldn't be mad at that. I'd like it, especially with RJ if he continue, continues to become a better shooter with Mitch and just solidifying that point guard spot, whether it's Emmanuel quickly transitioning to becoming a full-time point guard or getting some more out of Derrick Rose these upcoming years. Well, we don't know how much he still has left in the tank, but hopefully for the Knicks' sake, he has a lot. But I think that's what the Knicks have to do in this in this uh in this offseason. Don't do anything. Just draft those young players. And maybe develop. maybe if you want to upgrade your bench scoring a little bit, I think Alec Burks is a free agent. I think you should re-sign Burks, re-sign Bullock, I'd re-sign Noel. I'd bring back the whole team. Yeah. Just develop and maybe get another scorer who can take the load off of Julius Randle when the going gets tough. If we're being honest, RJ Barrett should be that. 
this offseason, he has to develop his scoring ability, his his scoring off the dribble. He has to develop that. He needs to develop handles, number one. That is true. Go-to no, move. Offhand. Yo, it's ridiculous. But, yeah, I agree. He should – you don't even need I, – I, I like. I feel like you got the two max spots. You you should trade Randall and be okay because R.J. Barrett should be the guy that steps up and takes Randall's spot eventually. But it's based on his development. So far, so good. You know, the playoffs was a little shaky for him. But it was his first time, so we'll see. You know, it was bad environment. He looked horrible offensively. He needs to <laughs> definitely get in the gym and work on his game. It's ridiculous. The good thing is that he can shoot now, though. I mean, yeah, when better he's open. Better, yeah. I've seen him hit shots contested. I've seen him lose the ball going to the left hand. Up to the right hand, pardon Cam me. Reddish, he's done it. Mm. Yeah, he's been hurt. So, yeah, I think right now, like, like I mentioned last episode, I think Julius Randle was that is the D-Lo to the Knicks. Is is what D-Lo was to the net, Nets. That's what Julius Randle is to the Knicks. Unless Julius Randle can su- surprise me and develop into this all-time player or even, no. you know, top 20 player definitively. Because I think right now he's on the borderline. Has to be consistent. I, I, yeah. You guys could kind of probably do something like Brooklyn did, even along the lines. Like if you have like, let's say you get the two max contract spots, let's just happen say it's Kawhi and Beal. You could even flip R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson for another superstar to kind of do what Brooklyn did, bring in another third. Get it, Anthony Davis. Something like you that. You would want that? I wouldn't want Anthony Davis. That man, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and Beal? That man barely plays. Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and Beal sounds crazy. I mean, look. Good luck. Like I said, I mean, the, the Knicks are on the right path. You know, you guys have a lot going for you. I wouldn't Bro, be surprised I wouldn't if I wouldn't, be, goods. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys take a bite out of what Brooklyn did. They should. It looks like Brooklyn they're kind of on the good, right path. Brooklyn was a good example, and the Knicks have a better market than Brooklyn. They do. We just have to be good. <laughs> we just have to be good. I just have to get I the like players. I like how you tried to throw the little smirk in there to try I mean, to. We, we just have to be good. <laughs> That's just have really to get what the players. Nets got the is. players. You have the best, maybe, if not the best, the second best market in the world. No, they have the best market in the world, bro. Well, Zimmer LA. I think our, the Knicks are worth the, the most. Knicks are the, are, but, are the, are the, I'm not talking about worth. I'm just talking about market in terms of like who wants to play there, live there. Like you guys are up there with Los Angeles. Like you should be getting I think stars. The, the top three is Miami, Los Angeles. And you know, I think that's a good argument. New York. Because do people really want to live in New York anymore? Yeah. New York is lit. How much though? New York is lit, I think it. I think it gets slightly overrated because it is very expensive in New York. Not that NBA players are have checking that a lot, that. but- it is very expensive in New York, and you can definitely buy way more land down south in like a Miami or in Atlanta. And I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta could be the hottest place yep. for agents to go because you can get Atlanta's you can buy cool. so much with I think, so little. I and they have a good young team because New York is so like in terms of like not just land, but in terms of like businesses. And celebrity, like, like being a celebrity, like it's weird. Like, a lot of, it's, a lot of marketing, it's a spotlight. Marketing like it's really deals out there. Yeah. I definitely get that. New York but is I, lit. But I would say because of the advancement of social media, yeah, a lot of these players don't want that celebrity anymore because it's just overwhelming with social media and the constant people coming up to you. If you're in New York, I mean, instead of yeah. you know being. By yourself, chilling and having peace. If you live in another, but area. if you think that, what makes you think Kawhi would go to New York? Oh, I don't. I'm not. I don't think anything's making me think he's gonna come. But I'm just this saying. Is an option. I just think that uh, New York, even though it is, it is you know because it's, it's at the heart the flash, of the city. The flashing lights. We know that New York. It's extravagant. People love New York. 
I think it kind of gets overrated with a destination as a destination because I think especially now players are starting to want to shy away from the media attention because they have seen that the media can be very yeah. But you say that, but toxic. Then we've seen stars still go to L.A., which is another big media marketplace. I think in L.A. I think I might be wrong here. I think L.A. is a little bit less toxic than New York. In terms of what though? In terms of the fan interaction, especially with the Knicks. Because Knicks fans are toxic. Yeah, that's true. Any New York sports team with uh, I think toxic. I think Brooklyn fans are they're not Brook, but they're not from New York, no, so it's different. They're not from New York. But I think Brooklyn fans are mellow and much more laid back because they're Jersey fans. Yeah, they're, they're from New Jersey. Yeah, I get that's it. That's why. So it's like but Brooklyn I, fans aren't New York. New I York fans like, are different. Just like I don't know. Like if I'm a player, I mean, this is just me. I can't speak for anybody else. But like, you saw what the fans are doing when you guys won one playoff game. <laughs> That's lit. Like, dude, imagine, imagine if you're yeah. like Kawhi or Bradley Beal. Like, do you understand like how great like that's your Bro, city? No matter you if you have when Melo hit there. those shots. Yeah, and like this, yeah, the, the, the arena was in like, <laughs> like roar. Like, bro, bro I, that that is, dude. If you're that man in New York, I think I, that's the best place to be the man. I get Atlanta. Atlanta you know, all the Atlanta's that, dope. Atlanta got all the Atlanta's rappers. Recently becoming that. Yeah, place. like it has dope. all the rappers, the parties. But I feel like it's a distraction. You know, like. It's Atlanta's really like a party city. Like it's so easy to get distracted down there. And I, I just think, like in terms of like the fan base and like the city really being there for you. I don't think nothing really chips that off. Like when you really winning and you're the best player and New York is behind you. Like that's just a big. When New York, like, you see when Randall this year, like New York was really diehard. Julius Randall. I don't think no other cities really. Well, other than Miami fans, you know how they get. But I don't think nobody's really doing that for Miami a player like in Miami. They love in, Jimmy. In, in me. Yeah, I, I mean. New York's the best, but like for me, I think Miami's like the perfect destination. I think Dallas is one too. Dallas is very good too because de- even the land there, cheap. The houses there, you can get so much land for. But we like, could we could all agree though. I mean, if it's in New York, L.A., Miami, Dallas, if you're the man in New York, you're gonna overshadow everybody else. That's true. <laughs> you're gonna it, it's maybe, just cool. maybe endorsements, is endorsements, come. everything, bro. Maybe the allure, everything. maybe the allure isn't that okay. evident <laughs> to me because we live by New York. Yeah, that's if, what it if is. We, if I guarantee we lived in Utah, we lived in Dallas, we would, we, under, we, would, we, would, like, wow. we would be like, wow, yeah. New York is this and It's that. like how the same people probably say in L.A. They'd be like, they don't think it's, like, they're probably saying the same thing we say about them. We don't live in L.A. We think L.A. is like but the Clippers is big not. thing. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> for, yeah, the Clippers, the Clippers for the Clippers is not. Well, the Clippers have more free agent attractions than they've had in like 20 years, bro. They've done nothing with it. Yeah, but it's still it's, it's still like it's still a, a, a free agent attraction. <laughs> it's good now. Yeah, so L.A. It's like, the Lakers it's LA. first. L.A. People are going to go to Lakers LA. town. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. John Morant in his first playoff series played really well. He averaged thirty points on. per game and eight assists per game. RJ could never. And Jeez. I think I think it's safe to say that while on this podcast I have said the Knicks have the brightest future because of their free agent market and their attraction. I think the Grizzlies have the best young core in the NBA with all those players: John Morant, Dylan Brooks. Jonas, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Grayson Allen, also Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark doesn't even get playing time anymore, which is insane. It's good. It used to be good. Memphis, in my opinion, the question of this segment is what do you think Grizzlies' future, Memphis Grizzlies' future is? And in my opinion, I'll say this Memphis has to continue to build on this young core, draft better. I mean, not draft better, just keep drafting how they've been drafting, which is very well John Morant we know was going to be a star we knew he was going to be a star coming out of college out of Murray State he was that special you could see it in college his passing was 
worldly. But I said this before. Jaron Jackson is the key to how far this Grizzly team goes. Mm. Because Jaron Jackson has to really develop into that either co-star for Ja or has to be better. I think if we're talking about pure talent, Jackson being a seven-footer who can stretch out the floor, who also has some nice footwork and play in the post a little bit, even though he doesn't do it a lot, he can face up. He has more potential than Ja, at least in my opinion. And he's the key to how far they go. Dylan Brooks, to me, is their Draymond, that guy who brings in the energy, who brings in that chippiness and toughness. I think John Morant, he's obviously not Steph, but he's that star. I think Jaron Jackson has to either be that Clay or maybe KD. He has to be a really a co-star. And one of the problems with him right now is that he has a ton of, he, he fouls a lot. He still gets into foul trouble. He's still very frail and skinny for his size. He gets back down in the post a lot. But he has the intangibles to be the best defender, inside defender in the NBA. I mean, he is that good on defense. His instincts are really great. And I think he's really the key for the Grizzlies if they want to become a powerhouse or at least a contender. But from from what I've seen from the Memphis Grizzlies this year, they look like they're going to be a threat in the West for a long time to come as long as they stay intact and they stay healthy. And Taylor Jenkins deserves a lot of credit because he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think we got a glimpse of it, you know, last year when they came to the bubble, put on the show, you know, fought Portland to the last to the last game to get the AFC. And then we've seen it this year, you know, going up against Steph in those play-ins, going up against San Antonio and then giving Utah hell. I think John Moran has arrived. He is here. He definitely put on the show. Dylan Brooks, he's a really solid player. He's a great defender. He can score. He can get into his spots. I think he's good. Jaron Jackson, like you said, has to make that leap. Because I think with Memphis, it has to be like it has to be grown in home. You know, I don't think any superstar is even thinking about going to Memphis, living there, <laughs> playing there. So I think like they've done in all these years, you know, drafting Mike Conley, luckily picking up Zach Randolph, trading for Marcus. So I think this team has to build in home, in ground. They have to keep drafting well. They did this they did last year and the year before, you know, getting John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jackson. Uh, they picked up Dylan Brooks. I think this team has a lot of t- guys that they drafted and they've turned out to be really good players. And that's a shout out to Taylor Jenkins and John Morant. Jackson has to keep making that jump. I think another guy with superstar potential will probably do it. They probably won't get it in this year's draft being that they, you know, made the eighth seed. But I think they definitely can get one more guy that would probably put them over the hump because they already have their point guard who's probably going to be a top 10 point guard in the NBA. And Jackson, hopefully with the development, he continues to get better. He's He gets hurt a lot, but he can make that leap. But Memphis, I will probably put them in terms of young talent with Atlanta. Like, they're right at the top of the game. And I think they, they, if they continue to build and build on that culture, I think they'll be a really great team. I mean, I agree with everything you guys said. I think Memphis, Memphis to me, I said it even this year. I think on paper, Memphis, I mean, it wasn't didn't look like an AFC team. I thought they were a team that could have gotten anywhere from maybe six to if Jaron Jackson was healthy and, you know, everything was in line, maybe could have got the fifth seed. I don't know. I mean, the the games in the West, it doesn't separate by much for in terms of your seating. But I do think they got their point guard of the future. I think Dylan Brooks is he's 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 really good. You get you get what you get from it with him. He's a two way player. Um, solid offensive player, I guess. Uh, I agree that Jaron Jackson, I mean, I had I had. 
big expectations for him this year. That's why I said they were going to, I thought they would finish for the sixth or fifth spot in the West, but obviously his injury and him coming back 14 games, he couldn't really get into rhythm. But in terms of just young talent, I mean, I think this team is really good. I think you got a superstar point guard who honestly, I think John Moran could battle for an MVP award down the line. I think he's that good. Um, I think their coach is obviously really well. Uh, but like I said, and like what River said, nobody's looking for Memphis as like a destination spot. No top player is going to be like, y'all want to play with Memphis. So they're going to have to build to the draft. They've shown that they can build to the draft very well. I like Jonas Valanciunas too. I think he's good. I think next year going into the West is going to be another development year. I would hope that they don't get the eighth seed again. I would I would say that they can maybe get the sixth or the fifth, which is what I projected them to be this year. But other than that, I think they have a really bright future. I still think they need to they need to find like that other guy. I don't know if Jaron Jackson Jr. can be that other guy, but I mean they have what I like to call good problems. They have Jaron Jackson. You don't know if he could be that second guy. Dylan Brooks is a good player. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is a lot of good players. So they have a lot of good problems. They just have to finish. I think just drafting, and I mean we'll see. The future looks bright. I agree with Riv. I think this is the second best young talent team behind Atlanta, just because. I think down the line, just Atlanta is just better constructed right now. But we'll see. I mean, I think this this team's future is really bright. The one problem with Memphis right now is that they're not a great three-point shooting team. They're not even yeah. a good three-point shooting team. So for them to get free agents, they have to overpay for guys. And like a Joe Harris, they would have to overpay yeah. for a guy like Joe Harris. And I'm not going to lie. If I were Memphis, I would look into signing Tim Hardaway Jr. Because I like Kyle Anderson. Don't get me wrong. But I think you have a starting lineup of Ja... Dylan Brooks, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jackson, and Valanciunas. I think that, and you could have Kyle Anderson come off the bench and be kind of that point forward. I think it would be much better for them. And that's what they have to do to get better, either draft players that can be that, or they have to overpay free agents to fill in roles. And because they're not going to get superstars, they have to get these really good role players to be in those roles. But I think they can do it, and they have a very talented roster to do it. But do you think the Memphis Grizzlies anytime soon can be a legit threat? And I mean, like, they can do what we see Utah's doing because Utah was homegrown. Yeah, but I think, like, you know, it's it's a little different, you know, because Memphis, I think they're getting guys like Jonas Valanciunas, like Rough Riders and Dogs to the kind of, like, good players but not, like, stars. That's going to be good. But I think with Utah, it was a little different because Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell became stars. So it's like, and Donovan Mitchell made just a leap his leap was kind of instant. You know, he walked in day one and then getting Jordan Clarkson down the line, Mike Conley. I don't think, I think Memphis, if they trade, you know, they maybe get into the trade market and find guys like that, a Mike Conley, a Jordan Clarkson, they could definitely make that Utah jump. signed Bogdanovich. Yeah, they, they, that's one guy, you know, a low-key guy, but a good player from Indiana. He was already at Indiana, so that was kind of like the same thing. So I think, you know, it's just, it's really, I'm confident in them getting good players. It's just really up to the, they're going to have a big three. You know, I think this league, the way it's going, you need a big two or a big three to be competitive, and they're in the West. You know, so I think getting John Morant and Jackson Jr. to be that, those guys, is really key and essential for them. They have to continue to make the leap. John Morant, you know, into this regular season, he kind of had a pedestrian regular season. It was like you saw improvements, but it didn't really show up in the box score. And then playoff time came when it really mattered. You saw him step it up and do big things. So they just need more of that, and I think they'll be really good coming down the line. Brad Stevens is a guy who recently got promoted to be the head of the basketball operations for 
the Boston Celtics. He is now their president. And a lot of people had mixed reactions about this. Some people thought that he was good for the position. Some people thought that uh, he didn't deserve it. And this was a privilege thing. Uh, but in your opinion, do you believe that Brad Stevens did or did not deserve his promotion to be the head of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics? Well, for, first of all, I've seen a lot of people say he failed. I don't think he failed. I've seen a lot of people say he underachieved. In my opinion, I don't think he underachieved. I think he just didn't win a championship, and it's already hard enough to win a championship. I think this team has made three ECF appearances. Yeah. You know, they, they've lost them all, granted. One to LeBron. Then they lost one to uh, Jimmy Butler. And, um, what, what was the third one they lost? Might have just been two. Cavs. I said that one, LeBron. No, but one of them was with Isaiah oh, Thomas. Oh, okay. So Brad was there. That they lost damn. LeBron too. Thomas. Okay, so yeah, they 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 made three, and they've you know they've had some second round exits, some first round exits, but I think this year they was one of those teams that fell victim to you know the pandemic and not having enough training time and a lot of injuries to the team, especially to Jalen Brown. You know, granted, they fell into Brooklyn. You know, they would a lot of teams can't beat Brooklyn, so I, I think. Brad Stevens is a great coach. And to, to your point, I think JT and JB love him. They have vouched for him repeatedly. So, you know, keeping your stars happy is is one thing you have to do. That's at the top of your list. So I think they didn't want to let Brad Stevens go fully. So I think when Ainge, you know, because he's one of the guys that have made some bad draft, draft picks. He's one of the guys that have been hit on the nail and getting guys when he could have got guys. So I think keeping Brad Stevens in the Boston Celtics front office is good because it keeps JB and JT happy who are your best players at the moment. And I think he deserves it. You know, I think he has a, a knack for getting guys. You know, we forgot he was a head coach at college, and you have to recruit, and he has a knack for doing that, and he has a knack for coaching. So I think keeping the front office, key, like keeping it close and keeping it family-oriented is going to be good for them. So I, I don't think – I think he deserved it. I think it was well in their rights to do it, and I think he was the right guy for it, to be honest, because now he can pick the coach. And I fully agree, and he wasn't a failure. He made the playoffs seven times out of – his eight seasons there, three Eastern Conference Finals appearances. And in the last five years, the Boston Celtics have the most playoff win wins amongst any Eastern Conference team. So he definitely didn't fail. And I don't know why that narrative is out there, because if Brad Stevens was a free agent head coach, there would be about 20 teams or more that would be dying for the opportunity 20. to have him coach their team. That's how good of a coach Brad Stevens, Stevens is my knock on him has been managing egos. That's what my knock on him has been. But if we're talking about the X's and O's of the game, he is top five in that department. At least. And when we talk about being the president of basketball operations, finding talent, scouting, making these personnel decisions, X's and O's is the most important thing in that. I think coaching is more about ego management when you have stars. But being at the head, being in that president position, it's about knowing the game and putting together a roster that's going to fit around the current players that you have. And I think now Brad Stevens can do that better. And you mentioned something good. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown love him. And because Brad Stevens knows this Boston Celtics team, he knows what he needs to do to fix this team, to surround Tatum and Brown with the best team possible to go moving forward, to go moving forward. So, I think he deserved this position. I think he's going to excel in this. At least I hope so. And I don't get the backlash that Brad Stevens has been getting. Obviously, I think I think now in the NBA, it's kind of turned way too political where 
whenever a white guy gets a promotion, it's all of a sudden this white privilege thing. And then if a black coach or a black guy doesn't get offered the job, it's all of a sudden something racist, which I don't agree with at all. Some things aren't, some things have nothing to do with race. And this one is one of those things. Same thing with the Lloyd Pierce thing. When Lloyd Pierce got fired, everybody was talking about how that was some big race thing when Nate McMillan was the coach right after. So it just did, really he did didn't make sense. did a way better job than him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think you hit it on the head when you, you talk about him managing egos because I think that comes from, you know, him going to college. He was, he was at a mid-major. You know, him walking in, he didn't really, aside from IT, you know, he kind of grew with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, he had young guys, rookies, Terry Rozier. So it kind of like he's not used to managing egos because he never really – had any type of egos even with it he was a star but he didn't it is not a guy who has an ego so it i like you said excellent knows he's one of the best in the game at that alone you know he knows what to do he knows what to revolve this team around and i think people need to really budge on danny ainge you know for a lot of the draft picks he's made you know picking grant williams and guys who really aren't that good and then having all this draft capital and still not being able to capitalize and bring a star, you know, having that trade exception that we were talking about, he could have used early on in the season to bring a big in, and he just sat on it all year. So I think, I think Boston, and I've I've said this before, Boston should be, or their their peak should be right where Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn be. Obviously, Brooklyn being number one, but I think Boston should be in that conversation because they are that talented. They just, you know, coaching. I don't know. I don't know if it's coaching chemistry, team construction. You know. It, they were just there last year, so same team walking in the uh, like same team walking in this year. I don't know what happened, but I think they have the talent to get back to that. They just need to make a few tweaks and a few bit changes to get there. Um, I mean, I think I think you guys, you know, pretty much articulated everything really well. Um, I do think Brad Stevens. I don't think this was had to do anything with race. I just think this had to do with uh, the product of his work. I mean, he's taken teams with rookies to the Eastern Conference Finals, and nobody expected that he battled with LeBron, who went to the finals, took him seven games. I think there was maybe only one year where he underachieved, and that was the this year. This past year, honestly. This past year, you could say, and, and honestly, maybe the one with Kyrie Irving, because... They lost to the Bucks in the They lost to the Bucks. They yeah. lost in five. I mean, that was... Kyrie got a, a, He did. It was a slight blemish, but other than that, I mean, like you guys said, he's been to three ECFs, has the most playoff wins in the East. I mean... Shoot, I know there's franchises that are worse than that. Like a, a franchise like Minnesota would dream to have those results. Oh, uh, that, that. But I just think I think the destination in, in which he coached in and and how passionate those fans are are is is making it seem like he underachieved when in reality he didn't. I mean, he had he had he had a big hand in drafting Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, developing them, and then he had a. It, it's tough, like on the fly, to go from. Kyrie Irving, who a lot of people view as a locker room cancer. I mean, I don't see that in Brooklyn. I just think he wasn't happy over there. But it's hard to go from that or letting go of Isaiah Thomas first, then going to that, then going to Kemba Walker. It's like it's more Danny Ainge. This team was never really constructed that well to succeed. That's why I say maybe only one year with the Kyrie Irving when they lost in the second round. But, I mean, if you watch basketball, you know his track record. He's a great coach. Almost any team would want him as their head coach. He's a great coach, great X's and O's guy. And look at his resume, what he's done with Boston. I mean, three ECS. I mean, he never got it done, but I could argue that he wasn't really the favorite in any of those series to go to the finals or at least make it that far. So that within itself, it's just, it, it warrants him to have another chance. And people forget that those early Boston Celtics teams 
were not supposed to even make the playoffs. Brad Stevens was supposed to be a part of a full rebuild in Boston. Yeah, yes. And they exceeded expectations every single year until they got Tatum and Brown and some really great star power in IT had that great year, phenomenal year. I watched the uh, the night where he dropped 53 the, the day after his sister passed away. He gave John Wolf 50 I, buckets? I, yeah, and I shed a tear after that because that was just a magical performance, I think. One of the greatest I've seen in my lifetime. Great playoff Honestly, performance. It was. One of the greatest I've ever seen. And Brad Stevens, like you mentioned, he wasn't favored in, in any season, I believe, to go to the finals. Maybe Never. one the year the Celtics had a, an absurd amount of talent. But people also forget that Kyrie got drafting, that drafting Tatum was not a given. They were supposed to draft Markel Fultz. In fact, everybody thought Markel Fultz was a consensus yep. number one pick, and they were the ones that traded back and said, we're going to take Tatum at three, and he's been the best player in that draft so far. I mean, something that I feel like he also doesn't, I mean, he should get credit more for is the Jalen Brown improvement. I mean, I remember that one point Jalen Brown was kind of so down bad that Boston Celtics fans were kind of questioning if that was even a good pick. I know one year he had a very bad year statistically. I mean, after he got his contract extension, we th- fans on Twitter thought it was the worst contract in the league. Two questions. Two questions to both of you. Because like like you said, um, uh, oh, before I ask two questions, it was, it was one question. Okay. I want to also, like like you said, bring up the fact that when uh, Kyrie left Boston after he was telling them that he was going to stay, how they rebuilt it. Brad, Brad Stevens rebuilt it back, guy Kemba, and Made an ECF run. That was yeah, right with after Kemba that. playing back. Yeah, that was yeah, that was right after. So he's a great coach. Uh, question, because this is um, I've seen a lot of this on Twitter. Like, this is referring to Boston. Is Jason Tatum a top ten player in the NBA? He's not. No, I say he's top fifteen. Top fifteen. Yeah. You think he's touching the door? Like he's got his I foot think, in the door. I think he's he, close. He's anywhere from twelve to fourteen. Twelve to fourteen. Yeah, he's close. He's close. Yeah, I, I was watching because I was, you know, he's, Boston fans. They talk about Jason Tatum's top. Yeah, and somebody told me he they would take him over Dame and Embiid. Well, Dame is not far fetched because of their age. Yeah, just going. No, right now, like player for player. Yes, right now. I mean, I don't think Dame would do much with this Boston team. I don't think Tatum would do much with that Portland team. Yeah, it's the same to me. It's pretty close to me. I mean, I don't I think it's far fetched. It's really whatever. You know, he's more experienced. You got to give it to Dame, too. But Slight edge, though. Talking about head coaching candidates, we don't have to get too in-depth in this because, honestly, we don't know who they're going to hire. But the reason why I like Brad Stevens staying on the Celtics management or whatever he's doing, president of basketball operations, is because, one, why wouldn't you give that title to somebody you already trust, which yeah. is Brad Stevens? Second, he knows exactly the right coach this Celtics team needs. He knows who they need to hire. And some names have been floating around. Jason Kidd, Lloyd Pierce for some reason. <sighs> Hell no. Jeff Van Gundy, Kenny Atkinson, Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups. And then you have some other like wild cards like uh David Vanderpool, who developed Tate um who developed McCullum and Lillard and Becky Hammond, who's in San Antonio. I think um two two people popped on my head when you said those names. Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. I say Chauncey Billups because JB and JT are similar to Paul George and Kawhi, and he worked a lot with those two guys in Los Angeles. You know, he actually, Paul George credits him on teaching him how to be a playmaker, and I think that's Tatum's next step in his development, being that, you know, playmaking wing that he needs to be. So I think, and for JB is also getting to his spots, you know, becoming more of an ISO player, and that's what Chauncey Billups kind of has helped Kawhi and PG. So I think that would be like incredible for them getting a guy who understands the wing depth 
and how wings manage in this league. And then Jason Kidd. I think Jason Kidd in Milwaukee, you know, granted he didn't see t- too much success. Underachieved. But, yeah, but he was he a did. great defensive coach. I think we can all agree that the Milwaukee teams were pretty great defensively. You know, he did underachieve, but I think one more shot with this Boston team, you know, he can definitely – Make some, you know, he make some under, headlines. He kind of underachieved in two stints. He kind of underachieved with Brooklyn, Brooklyn too. Yeah. Severely underachieved. You guys were. Sam Cassell is a wild card for me. He won a championship in Boston in 08. So the Tib. Tib is it too. But it was Sam, on that and Sam Cassell was on that Clippers staff too. So he worked with. I like, but I, I really like Chauncey for Boston. Uh, if, yeah, Chauncey's good. I think Chauncey's a really good coach. I think he deserves a head coaching spot. It depends on the expectations going into the job. Are the Boston, Should be championship or bust. Still? 100%. I think every year for Boston, that's kind of their mindset at this point, especially with that fan base, with the history of the franchise, with the talent on the team. I th- I think, I don't think it's championship or bust, but Me at neither. least a uh, good playoff. At least ECF or bust. It depends on who they A strong second round showing. I think maybe like going to second. I think if you like don't see Brooklyn in the second round, it should be ECF or bust every year. Even against Milwaukee or Philly? Yes, because they can beat Milwaukee and they can beat Philly. So it's like. I don't see like with the with 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 a guy with a guy in Tatum and a guy in Brown. You should you shouldn't even be thinking less of the second round. You should be thinking at least conference finals. In my opinion, like they yeah, have a, they have a good team. They have a really good team. They just didn't gel. But I think teams like like last year they went to the ECF. I think they can do that again. You mentioned how Boston fans think Tatum is top ten. Now we're about to talk about or give our list for top five players under 25 in the NBA playoffs. I'm going to give you guys a list of a bunch of names, and you guys can rank them based on your own merit. Michael Porter Jr., R.J. Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Aiden, John Collins, John Morant, Trey Young, Bam Adebayo, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, and Luka Doncic. Who are your top five? I'll go first. And I'll say, I guess we'll go. We'll go like this. We'll go one. I'll one. name my fifth. You name your fifth. You name your fifth. Don't go. Why would you go last up? Go first down. Yeah, first down. Yeah. Okay. I think. First, I think we're all gonna agree. It's Luca. First is yeah, Luka. that's what I said. Luke. Let's get Luke. One Luca. Up. Luca is the best player under twenty five in the playoffs okay. by He's, far. Yes. There's not even close. I think okay. second is between Tatum, Booker, and Donovan Mitchell. No. I have to say it's Donovan Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell is the second best player in the playoffs. Under twenty five years old, I mean, he has a track record of performance. So I would say, I would say Donovan Mitchell. I would too. say Tatum just gave Kevin Durant probably the most fits he's ever gotten in his life, and he stole a game from Brooklyn where he shouldn't have stole multiple fifty forty balls. I gotta go with Tatum at two. I, I have to. Tatum's yeah, Tatum. He's my three. He put on the Spoiler show alert. against Brooklyn. Who's I gotta your, go. Who's your two? Uh, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, yeah, t- okay. Tatum. But three for me is Donovan Mitchell. And my three is it's Jason Tatum. Mitchell. And you okay, mentioned so your three is Jason Tatum. Now four, it gets tricky because you got still Devin Booker, you Trey say, Young, John Morant, Michael Porter Jr. I wouldn't be mad. He's <laughs> he's up there too. Uh, ben Simmons, bam. But with my fourth, I'm going to say Trey Young. Me too. I think Trey Young is the fourth best player under 25 in these NBA too, playoffs. Devin Booker's right there. <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> um, it's it's a tricky one for me. I, I don't have Trey Young at four. I would probably put Devin Booker at four. I would probably have Devin Booker at four. 
ahead of Trey Young. Yeah. And now my fifth, I mean, I can't leave Devin Booker out of here. I don't, because MPJ, not yet. Who else? John, not yet. Yeah, John, not yet. Bam, no. Simmons, no. I got to have Devin Booker at five. He's. I fake want to say Simmons, but I'll say Devin Booker. I have Ben Simmons at five. You think he's better than Devin Booker? No, I had Devin Booker at four. I think Ben Simmons is better than Trey Young. Well, this next series is going to tell us a lot about that. Yeah, I think Ben Simmons is better than <laughs> Trey Young. We'll see. No, nah, I mean, I, I would say D-Book is my fifth. So my top five is Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, and Devin Booker. So we all agree on the top three. That's undisputed. Yeah, yes. Luka, whatever, however order you want to slice it, we Luka. agreed Luka's one and Luka, then Donovan and Tatum could be switched. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah. So, and then we all agree Booker is in the five. I have Trey four, Booker five. Or so we all, okay. Matter. So we're all just conf- we're all Trey and Booker. Are, yeah, we're all are the end not five. on the same with Trey Young, but we all agree Booker's in the five. Okay, I yeah. think MPJ could be could be in that top five next year or in the next two years. We'll see. That, that top five can change drastically. MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. is a problem. I felt like we would have said Bam last year, but his his Easily. bad his bad playoff. Run well, we wouldn't have said Trey because he wasn't the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, see, it, it, and it, it Booker just changes. Too, well, and Josh. It depends. Yeah, jaw too. Jaw's Crazy. up there. But there's a lot of young talent in the NBA. I think the league is in good hands. Great hands. People are not really realizing how much talent is in the league. I mean, there are a lot of great players. There's a lot more coming in, man. Yeah, now how old is Nikola Jokic? He's probably 26. He's 25 or 26. He, I think he's Giannis' he's age. He's 26. He's 26. Yeah, he's definitely Giannis' age. Let me search it up. Yeah, he is 26. He's Jokic. just scratching out. I think him, Giannis, AD, and Kyrie are yeah, like 26, he, 27. He'll be a Hall of Famer one day. Joke. Joke it. Yeah. It's easy as hell to make the other thing. And now for this next segment. They we're, think about putting D. Rose in there. What? And now for this next segment, we are going to have a friend of mine. His name is Michael Daly. Talk about the Bucks and Nets series preview. He is a Bucks fan. Then he's going to talk a little bit about the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight. So stay tuned for that. Hello, guys. and Welcome back. Right now we have Michael Daly on the show with us. He's a friend of mine. We went to CN Hall together and he's going to talk about his perspective on the Bucks and Nets series and about the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight. So first of all, hello, Michael. How are you doing today? It's nice It's nice to see you. Joel, thank you so much for having me. JC, Riv, great meeting you guys as well. Obviously not in person, which I know would be ideal, but nonetheless, great to be on with you guys. Yeah, so first of all, I know that you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, and in the group chat that we have together with a lot of our CN Hall friends, I told you a lot of times that the Bucks are nothing to be worried about. They're not a they're not a big market destination. Nobody <laughs> wants to play in Milwaukee. I think that's pretty obvious. And first, I want to get your take on that because I know you had a little bit of a back and forth with me. You caught feelings over that, so I want to let I want to let you speak and have the floor a little bit. That was old news. I think we had that conversation back in September or something like that. But if you would have said that 2015, 2016, I would agree with you before Giannis was a flourishing superstar. Yes, Milwaukee, Wisconsin has not been known for great basketball. But Giannis Antetokounmpo, (laughs) especially with the fact that he signed that five-year extension to stay with the Bucs, do not be surprised if more superstars down the line, if he stays there, if they sign. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but don't be surprised because if you would have said two years ago that Drew Holiday would have, what was he traded there or acquired or uh, he was traded? He was traded. That's what I thought. Yeah. I don't think too many people would have thought that he even drew holiday who he's not an elite guard, but I don't think many people thought they would get someone like him. Eric Bloodsoe was the best guy they had. Oh so I, I do see a lot of improvement with the bucks, 
And look, if I'm being objective, I think the Nets should win this series against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's me being objective. But you cannot count out Milwaukee. I understand their issues in the playoffs in the past, not having that reliable score to help out Giannis. And even sometimes Giannis has struggled. But look, Chris Middleton looked great against Miami. Drew Holiday, easily the most underrated defender in the league. And he's easily the third option on this Bucks team. So I, it would not shock me if the Bucks pull off an upset against the Nets. <laughs> so my friend here, JC, he's a huge he's a huge Nets fan and a Jets fan. I said Jets, stumbled a little <laughs> bit. He's a huge Nets fan, and right now he's having jitters. He's pretty he he's he doesn't know what's gonna happen. You know, he thinks the Bucks can very well win this series. And you being a Bucks fan, do you feel confident in your team? I know you said you think the Nets are going to win objectively, but do you feel confident going into this series? Absolutely. If the Boston Celtics could get one win, who's to say the Milwaukee Bucks can't get either one more or two more wins, which would equate to either a game six or a game seven. Even if we lose, I think the Bucks are taking this to either six or seven games because the Bucks are going to win at least one game in Pfizer v. Forum. And they might even take one away in Brooklyn. So who knows? But I would say Milwaukee has what it takes to take down Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Also, chemistry against a team like the Bucks. I don't know if those three will have it together. Personally, they should because they're the better team. But who knows? I, I think the Bucks can easily win two or three games in this series, if not win it. Uh-oh. Okay, uh, it's Rev here. Yeah, I, I got two questions for you because I'm also under the same. I'm I'm one of those few people who think the Bucks are gonna win in six. You know, I think you guys just have the personnel to match up with them well. What's what do you think is the keys to you guys stopping the big three in this series? Like, what, what, give me some keys that you think will help you guys win this series. I think it's going to be defense. I know that's a, ver- a very rudimentary thing to say, and it's very basic, but. Drew Holiday is the type of guy who can defend any teams one through three, I think, and maybe even some fours, but really any point guard to small forward on most teams he can pick up. In the past, he's guarded Kevin Durant. He's picked up on James Harden. So I think he will be crucial on the defensive end. Giannis Antetokounmpo, we don't need to talk about him, how great of a defender he is. Brooke Lopez down low, I think he has a chance to really stop the big guys of Brooklyn, like Blake Griffin. If DeAndre Jordan gets a lot of minutes, Jeff Green, those guys, I think Brooke Lopez could really be a factor because he was in the Miami series. So I would say if they can find a way to limit the to defensively, if they, if they can play as well as they can, it's not going to be easy, not at all, because Brooklyn, the way they win, high-scoring games. They don't play a ton of defense. Maybe you guys disagree with me, at least from what I've seen since January of this team. They don't play a ton of defense. They bank on high-scoring games. I think that's one thing. If the Bucs can kind of grind it out and get a 100 to 110 score on the Nets, the Bucs might have a chance to to be competitive in every single game. And, and just uh, my second question. What do you, you know, because I know people expect the Nets to win, go on to the championship, and they're going to run it back next year. So when do you think, like, what is what is your goal for this team you know being that the Nets are going to be here for the next two years like what do you expect out of this team because Giannis is only going to continue to get older same with Drew Holiday same with Chris Middleton so what's the ideal goal for the Milwaukee Bucks I'm going to be completely honest our best chance to win the championship was 2019 and even last year was our I would say our next best chance because at that point in time KD and Kyrie in 2019 
were not a team. And even last year, they really weren't a unit. And James Harden wasn't even in the fold. But once those two guys came together, and if you remember, when KD signed with the Nets, everyone knew for the 2019-2020 season, he wasn't going to be available because he was recovering from that Achilles injury. But still, that was the best chance because at that point, under Brett Brown, Philly was not a very good team. The, the, the process was not being trusted whatsoever. So it was a little iffy. Now I would say, yes, the pressure's on Mike Budenholzer and Giannis, but it, it's still a solid time to win because you don't know what you're getting out of Philly, especially with Joel Embiid with his small meniscus tear. What effect will that have? I don't know, but look, if you can get past the Nets in this series, who's to say you, you can't win at all? Because if we're looking at the West, Utah, a little suspect. The L.A. Lakers, who everyone thought was either going to be the prohibitive number one seed in the West, what are they doing? If, if they don't win on Thursday evening, they're going to be out of the playoffs. So I think the Bucks, if they get past the Nets, they can beat anyone. Mm. You know, that's exactly my take. I think if this right here, the Nets versus Bucks, is the finals. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins this series will go and win the championship I'm hoping it's James Harden because I'm a James Harden fanatic. And I want to ask you something, Michael. First of all, I this is the first time I'm asking somebody that's a Milwaukee Bucks fan this question. What are your thoughts on P.J. Tucker and what he's brought to your team? I love his sneakers. That's first and foremost. I, I think of uh, <laughs> of anyone in the NBA, I, th- I think he's the most premier sneakerhead. So for that, I respect him. As a player, look, he's a glue guy. He's not someone that's going to give you an average of 10 points a game. I think he's averaging less than three a game on the Bucks this season, which, which isn't great, offensively speaking. I know you guys are laughing. Look, it's not great, but you know what? He is a glue guy. And I think if you if you look at any championship team in the history of the league, right, you need one of those guys to, to kind of help you out. To me, something that comes to mind towards the end of Ron Artest or Metta World Peace's career, when he was with the Lakers, he wasn't a guy that scored a lot. But he helped out Kobe. He helped out Pau Gasol, even Lamar Odom as that glue guy. And look, P.J. Tucker, he might be able to hit some shots in a late-game scenario. That could help us out. I think if we're going to win, we need a tough guy like him. And I agree with you completely. And P.J. Tucker <laughs> is PJ Tucker's one of my favorite players in the NBA, and I'm glad that somebody finally admires his game because I know Riv likes to climb his game a lot, but I said it, he's the freshest player in the league with his sneakers. Ah. He has great sneakers. And I he think does have great sneakers. there's no player that I've seen play defense like him and be a corner three savant like him. He's one of the <laughs> best I've ever seen in that. And I want to ask another question. How long have you been a Milwaukee Bucks fan yeah, or when did you start watching basketball? That's what I was going to ask. Like, how did you get into Milwaukee? So I've been a Milwaukee Bucks fan since 2006. What the? And, and, and the reason Michael why... <laughs> There, there was a guy, I, maybe I think I heard one of you guys say it, Michael Red. Yeah, me. Michael, <laughs> Dude, Red, Michael Red, growing up, was my favorite player. And then they had Andrew Bogut as the number one overall Brandon pick. Brandon Jennings and them boys. Yep, Brandon Jennings a few years later. I, I remember 2000, so I, because it was two questions. I started watching basketball as early as I can remember. I, I think I might have been four. So before I was even really affiliated, I I. I have been obsessed with basketball. Like I remember Kevin Garnett for, for some odd reason with the Timberwolves and the Western Conference Finals. Like I have a really weird memory when it comes to that. But with the Milwaukee Bucks, I've been there through the lean years. But you know what? We've had some pretty solid years, e- even with Brandon Jennings. And then when we traded for J.J. Redick, and that really helped us get to the playoffs in 2013, 
before the Bucks were swept by the Miami Heat, we've had some pretty solid years. So, look, I'm not going to complain. The Milwaukee Bucks could have had it a lot worse like other franchises. So I, I've been a Bucks fan through and through for the past, what is this, 15 years now, and I'll be a Bucks fan for as long as I'm living. So if I'm not wrong, I know we both go to Scene Hall. That's in New Jersey. Do you, since you're a Bucks fan, I'm just assuming you don't live in New Jersey, or you do? I do. Okay. So, did you become a Bucks fan because you saw them on TV one time, or you're playing 2K? Because I know I, I became a fan of the teams I'm a fan of right now because of video games. Playing video games and liking the jersey colors, I just became a fan of that team. You know what? In a, in a way, some someone might call me a bandwagon. But I remember watching the Bucks in the 2006 playoffs against the Detroit Pistons. At least I remember it was the Detroit Pistons. And that, that's when I was latched on because they were still rocking the purple and green jerseys. Oh, I, love the look I know of what it. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they're, fire. they're great jerseys. And then Michael Red was at the top of his game two years later. He ended up going to the Olympics. So that's really how I latched on to them because I could have been a Knicks fan at that time when Isaiah Thomas was the coach. I could have even been a Nets fan because they were making the playoffs every single year with Richard Jefferson, Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, all those guys. But the Milwaukee Bucks, it was just something about that team. They were kind of under the radar. I liked the color, liked the logo. So that's why I went more so. And now on to this um, this Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight. I don't know anything about boxing. I say I, I don't watch boxing. I watch like the big headliner fights, but obviously you're very in tune with boxing. You know a lot about combat sports. So I just want to ask you, don't give me a prediction because I think I know where you're kind of at right there. But how do you think this fight is going to go? How do you think it's going to pan out? This is going to be an event because the reason why this isn't a professional boxing match. This is an exhibition. Mm. So regardless of what happens, it's not going on anyone's record professionally speaking. Both of these guys technically are professional boxers. So whatever the outcome is, it's not going down. But I will say, though, Showtime, Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, they have marketed the heck out of this fight. So they're going to do numbers on the pay-per-view. I don't know exactly what. I don't know if they'll break a million. Some are saying they might even break two million. I don't know. That might be stretching it. But I do think they will put on a show from top to bottom, it's a pretty solid card. Chad Ochocinco, the former Cincinnati Bengals wideout, he's on the card. He's fighting a former mixed martial artist. So who knows how that'll go <laughs> personally. I- I'll give my take on that. I think he's going to lose, but that's just <laughs> um, but but look, it, this is going to be an event. What more could you expect from Floyd Mayweather? Usually he fights in Las Vegas. That's pretty much his home. But Miami and Florida, they they well, they didn't sanction the fight, but they're holding the fight. So It's going to be a spectacle. They're going to sell out as many tickets as they can because all the tickets have been sold out thus far. It's a great venue, Hard Rock Stadium. I I think it's going to be a a great event overall. Uh, I just wanted to ask, do you think Jake Paul has an actual... Logan. Oh, sorry. Do you think Logan... His name's not Jake? It's Logan. That's his brother. Oh, okay. look alike. Yeah, uh, that's why I was so confused. Do you think Logan Paul has a chance to actually be like a serious professional boxer like your respect in the boxing world? Or do you think this is all just a facade? No. So essentially, I I think you're asking, does he have a chance to challenge for a world title? Absolutely not. He doesn't. And even Jake, too. I I don't think he does as well. But you know what, though? You have to give your hat off to those guys. You have to tip your hat to them because they stepped in this game back in 2018 when they were at the top, the pinnacle of YouTube 
They jumped into boxing, albeit it was an exhibition and then eventually a professional fight for Logan against KSI. But, you know, is Logan going to be a champion? No. But could he have fights like like this against Floyd that are lucrative? Absolutely. And you know what? More power to him. I'm happy he's making money. I'm happy Floyd's making money. But in terms of being a serious boxer, Logan is not on that level. I don't think ever will be. So giving a breakdown on how you think this fight is going to go, how many rounds you think it's going to be, the, the question now that everybody's asking is, one, does Logan have a chance? And two, will he even land a punch? Okay. He has a puncher's chance. I, I think that has to be said. In every fight, there is a puncher's chance. Now, it's a very low puncher's chance. And I, I would say, if Logan's going in there thinking he's just going to box Floyd Mayweather he's going to get destroyed within three rounds. If he has a chance to make it, I don't want to say dirty, but that's probably where he'll have to take it. He'll have to be gritty. He'll have to make it rough, especially in the clinch and on the inside. Maybe he could go all eight rounds. Personally, I think the only way Logan wins is if he kind of employs some tactics that Marcos Maidana used against Floyd Mayweather. And if you don't know Marcos Maidana, in 2014, he fought Floyd Mayweather twice in May and September, lost both fights. But the fight in May, their first fight in 2014, some thought Marcos Maidana beat Floyd Mayweather, but the decision went to Floyd Mayweather. In that fight, Marcos Maidana, he was throwing in some shoulders. He was pretty rough with how he dealt with Mayweather, had Mayweather pressed up against the ropes, which was something before then that boxing had never seen against Floyd Mayweather. If Logan because of the sheer size and length, I, I think there is a chance that he could try to outmuscle Floyd Mayweather. But again, it all comes down to experience. And it's why this fight in the first place is not even sanctioned. It's why it's just an exhibition because you have a guy that's 0-1 going up against the greatest boxer of all time. I thought, so, he, I thought Logan Paul won. No, he lost. No, he, he that's lost Jake to Paul, KSI. Bro. Jake Paul beat conf- Nate and Ben Askren. Yeah, they're confusing me. That's why these two It's guys. all right. I, I get it. I mean, they, they, they're on similar paths. But I would just say that my prediction is that Floyd, it's going to get a little bit interesting at first, especially how it was against Conor McGregor. Conor landed a nice uppercut in their fight in the first round, and everyone's like, ooh. So Logan may have a chance to land a nice shot and catch everyone's attention, but I think Floyd will finish him in the sixth round. That's the way I see it. But you know what? I think a lot of people will pay a lot of respect to Logan after the fact that he stood in there six rounds, albeit an exhibition. He was in there six rounds with the greatest of all time. If Logan hypothetically wins, what would that do for his career? And what would that do to Floyd's <laughs> legacy if he wins? Regardless of his, I know it's a, it doesn't count. It's exhibition. But still, losing like that, and it's, like you said, it's going to be on Showtime million people might watch it probably too it's going to get a lot of views what do you think it's going to do to floyd as a boxer as a man and then what do you think it's going to do to logan paul in his career floyd actually talked about this today they had a media session and floyd said look if i lose for whatever reason to logan paul it doesn't matter because it's not on my record floyd only cares about his legacy so if, if some off chance happens that logan ends up pulling this one off and and the ultimate heist of all time to Floyd, it doesn't matter. The, the guy said it was a legal bank robbery. So Floyd's cool. Even if somehow he loses this, it's not going on his professional record. But to the public, yeah. oh my goodness, it is going <laughs> to be a, a humiliation. And, and Logan Paul, his ego is already big, as it should be. I mean, he, he's a multimillionaire YouTuber. 
you don't get that way if you have a small ego. If he beats Floyd, oh my God, do not be surprised if you see him trying to challenge either someone like Conor McGregor or crazy enough, a world champion boxer. So if the, if that happens, yeah. Logan might try to test the waters. You beat the GOAT. I mean. Yeah. When we talked about, uh, when we were at the radio station, we talked about the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight. We also talked a bit about Jake Paul, and you actually think Jake Paul is a much more advanced boxer than Logan Paul. And you gave your respect to Jake Paul as, like, this guy can legitimately fight. He knows what he's doing. Jake is on a much different route than Logan because Logan, although, yes, he he enjoys boxing and, and wants a career out of it, I think he's doing this more so as a passion project, whereas Jake believes that he can make a serious career out of this. So that's the difference. And also, Jake is active. Say what you want about the guy. I don't think Jake is ever going to be a world champion, but he knows how to fight. I think that's for certain. Look, Ben Askren, not a boxer whatsoever, never known to be a striker in mixed martial arts, but the guy has a granite chin, and Jake knocked him out in the first round. That has to count for something. And then now he's going in there against Tyron Woodley. What I have to say about Jake is that he is a smart businessman. He's He knows what he's doing. There's a reason why he's pulling in a 39-year-old Tyron Woodley who's on a four-fight losing streak and, and no wrestles. longer in the UFC. There's a method to the guy's madness. So Jake knows what he's doing. I mean, <laughs> he, he's making a ton of money off of it. And credit to Jake Paul for that. Yeah, I heard Stu Presidente talk about it uh, on one of his podcasts that he was saying that Jake Paul, why would he fight anybody that he knows he has a, a gigantic chance of losing to? Because every single fight that he has is going to have a ton of anticipation and is going to bring in a ton of viewers because at this point, everybody just wants to see him lose. He's a villain. You're 100% right. In a way, he's taken a lot of tactics from Floyd Mayweather. I know it's it's fun for Jake to discredit Floyd because his brother's fighting and the whole gotcha hat thing. But back in the day, before Floyd Mayweather in 2007 fought Oscar De La Hoya, he was well-liked. He was pretty boy Floyd. He was one of the pound-for-pound best guys, but he wasn't as big because he didn't really have that persona to back it up. But once he fought Oscar De La Hoya, he became Money Mayweather and the villain, the heel of boxing. That's exactly what Jake Paul is doing here, getting everyone to hate him, getting everyone to dislike him. He even went to a UFC event and had the whole arena chanting, you know what, Jake Paul. So the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to get under people's skin. And that's why the guy is a millionaire in the first place in YouTube. And he's going to keep raking in the millions if he keeps winning. Yeah, so I think you pretty much nailed everything. Obviously, you know a ton about boxing. I know JC here probably knew about some of the boxes you were talking about. I knew absolutely nobody outside of Floyd. I know Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know Oscar too. But I appreciate you for your time. And if you want, you can just... uh Plug in whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing with the websites, your boxing, anything you have going on, you can plug it in here so the audience can listen. Thank you, Joel. I really appreciate that. Right now, I'm working with TWSN, the Right Way Sports Network. I'm a boxing and mixed martial artist, writer, or journalist. I also host a daily, po- a weekly podcast every Thursday night at 7 p.m. on the Right Way Sports Network's YouTube page. So you can just type in TWSN on YouTube, and you'll be able to check out my podcast. So a lot of stuff covering boxing, but I also pay close attention to uh, all sports, really every major sport I'm a big follower of. And I just want to thank you guys 
because um, I, I'm a big fan of your show uh, because Joel, you know, you and I know each other quite well and I'm a big fan of everything you guys are doing. So keep it up. And thank you again for giving me the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, we definitely got to have you back on, especially after the Bucks and Nets series ends. We got to have your take, <laughs> whether the Nets uh, win or whether the Bucks win. We got to have you back on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would love to be back on. I, I think the Nets are going to win being objective. But as a Bucks fan, I, I can't count out the Bucks whatsoever. Yeah, so we appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So now this is going to do it for episode 89 of the Pick Aside podcast. If you made it this far, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. And don't forget to rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts. We're almost at 30 reviews. I think we're not there yet. So you guys, if you could do that, it would mean a lot. So thank you guys for watching. Also, you can get 20% off with our code Pick Aside on Manscaped. That would mean a ton and it would help support our show a lot. Thank you guys for watching. We appreciate you and we'll see you next time.